Now you listen to me. You've got the greatest meth cook in America. No, the two greatest meth cooks in America right here. And with our skills, you'll earn more from that 35% than you ever would on your own. Yeah, so you say. Just wondering why we're so lucky. Why cut us in? Mike is retiring from our crew, so his share of the partnership is available if you can handle his end. Distribution. And if you give him $5 million of the $15 million that you brought today, just think of it as a finder's fee for bringing us together. We have 40 pounds of product ready to ship. Ready to go. Are you ready? <laughs> who the hell are you? You know. You all know exactly who I am. Say my name. Do what? I don't have a goddamn clue who the hell you are. Yeah, you do. I'm the cook. I'm the man who killed Gus Fring. Bullshit. Cartel got Fring. You sure? That's right. Now, say my name. Eisenberg. You're goddamn right. everyone welcome back to gun damn at mhq this is uh, one of your hosts neo and joining me always is soul bro and chris guys tread lightly <laughs> the saga continues are you alive chris justice oh batman <laughs> well i didn't know you were at chris's house batman oh, where is the detonator where are they where are they what detonator? What are you talking about? Where's the detonator? What detonator? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have Tell any. Tell me what I need to know. Where are the drugs going? <laughs> I don't Swear know. Me. Just here doing a podcast about giant robots, fictional robots. <laughs> Why isn't there a bat bot? Why isn't there a bat mecha? I think there isn't. Well, what is it? Still, is it in the in the black ops in the uh, proprietary section of Wayne Industries? Is that what's going on? Or I mean, Lucius is working on it. Yeah, Lucius. <laughs> I got ripped off by some bastard named Stark. Ooh. Corporate mm. espionage, man. Ripped off, or is he just doing stuff better? He's just a low rent version of me. <laughs> Damn. Well, he kind of was five years ago. <laughs> So no, excited that you, at the box office than I do. Are, are, are you excited that you're gonna uh, in a few years team up with good old Superman and a nice movie called Superman versus Batman or Batman versus Superman, whatever it's called? I'll show that blue underwear bitch how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Batman. Can you uh, 
give the mic to Chris because you're kind of creeping us out. Justice. <laughs> My yes, parents are dead. Yeah, we know your backstory. Sorry. But it's been a while. Shouldn't you have gotten over it by now? No. <laughs> have you ever gone to counseling, Batman? No. You should. I, I think it would work well with you. I'm sure the Wayne Industries health plan, you probably have that under your health plan, right? No. No? Is it just no. a, what are you, a greedy bastard with like some bare bones HMO that you have your worker bees um, uh, pay 90% of their uh, of the cost to? I keep them all right under full time so I don't have to give them any benefits. Oh, the uh. secret comes out. The secret comes out. No one, at, no one at Wayne Industries works more than 31 hours, right? <laughs> I have a friend who runs a pizza franchise. He told me about it. Oh, ouch. ouch. While I was at his castle eating pizza. <laughs> oh, my God. So, God, we're finding out everything now. So you parents are dead. You like justice. You're looking for a detonator. And you subjugate your employees and treat them like crap. And you hang out with the pizza guy that lives in a castle. Wow. You are a comic book character. <laughs> and I voted for Romney. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good for you. Let me guess. Favorite book, Atlas Shrugged? How'd you know? <laughs> You're living in it right now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. All been foretold in this, in this, in that book. That no, what is it? The Fountainhead. I think that's the other one they always talk about. Craziness. So okay, well, thanks, Batman. It was good to have you on. Um, can we speak to you when your movie comes out in maybe like a year or five? Maybe. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, could you put Chris on there? He's probably the guy scared in his corner, going, "Where the hell did this guy in a Kevlar bat suit come from?" So, justice. Just. We agree, justice. And he drops the mic. Yeah. <laughs> That's some weird shit right there. <laughs> Rich, your house is like the nexus of craziness. It's always something. It is. It is. You live on a fault line of crazy? <laughs> I, I live right on the hell mouth. That's what it is. Ah, there, you there you go. go. Well, and uh, this is episode 129 of Gundam. And this episode, we're only going to be doing one topic. And that's going to be the long-awaited and uh, recently completed season three uh, review of Transformers Prime. Yes, we're going back to the Transformers universe. Oh, man. Yeah, can't wait. Can't Some kids and fetch quests and all that good stuff. Gotta, gotta love it. More kids. That's no, heart and soul. Heart and no. soul, there you go. This is only about selling toys. That's all they want to do is just sell toys. They don't want, they don't want to give any good stories like they did with Transformers. And now G1. Open, up, open up your Transformers Bibles and please turn to page Magnus, 18 point, the, 18, the Book of Optimus. <laughs> the Book of Optimus. Chapter 3, <laughs> verse 22. Letters. <laughs> letters from Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> The gospel according to Ultra Magnus. <laughs> Let, letters from Ultra Magnus to the Dinobots. Well, wouldn't the Dinobots be the equivalent of like the Genesis? Um... <laughs> I think you're onto something. I, I do. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll be going back to uh, um, Cybertron, Sabertron, Earth, whatever you want to call it. There you go. So, um, yeah. But before we get into our review, our first and only review, our first and only topic of this episode, we're going to be going to uh, some news. But before I do the news, I have to do one more thing. 
I have to recognize somebody. I have to induct them. Um, a a longtime listener and poster on Mecha Talk. Uh, somebody I've um, been. I think you've been on his show a couple times. I, I believe Chris and Solbro have. Also, um, I have to now present a commission, an officer commission in the uh, the Human Freedom Army for when the robots uh, rebel of uh, the foul sorceress. Because he said he was going to do something, and he did it, and I'm very appreciative to it, and I'm going to um, uh, reciprocate here shortly, so I haven't forgotten, and we had to wait a, about a week or so to record because of some other stuff, and so that's why I didn't say this sooner, but uh, I remember quite a few uh, quite a few episodes ago, they talked about um, you know commemorative stamps in Canada. Yeah. For a certain Canadian supergroup, i.e., Rush, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he got those for me, and I will be sending a pic shortly to Solbro to uh, post up on the internet somewhere, oh. uh, and uh, I'll, I'll do that. So I'd just like to say thank you. You are now commissioned a second lieutenant in the Human Freedom Army against the robots. Um, unfortunately, you'll probably be uh, fighting against Chris and Solbro because they'll probably be robo collaborators. But um, I'll be you know. the first to betray humanity to our robot it's masters. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and Solbro, all they got to do is do a sexeroid that looks like Ryu or Chun Li or something. He'd be like, "Oh, the humans are over there." Pick me up. <laughs> hey, you're easy. Just make but, a Capcom uh, bot, and that's it. <laughs> But, but uh, thank you, Mr. Foul Sorceress, and um, you know, congratulations on your induction into the into the uh, f- the Human Freedom Army. And uh, make sure you have your tomes, read up on them, and never trust the robots. So thank you. And now we will be doing some news. And coming to you from the Larry King Memorial Studios. You are the king! You are the king! This is some Neos Listener Submitted News articles. And always, you can post those in the Neos Listener Submitted News articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk Forum. We have a new thread with some updated rules, and I they're pretty easy to understand. So there you go, and I'd just like to thank everybody for complying. So the first one here, oh, this comes from Rodimus76. And this falls right in. Thank God we got the foul sorceress now. Robo apocalypse news. Oh my God, DARPA! You know how evil DARPA is, Chris. And yes. uh, they now have a killer humanoid robot that they've created. And if you go to Mr. Rodimus's link here, you can see it and read up about it and clutch the tomes even more. So thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for scaring the bejesus out of us. Uh, next one here, it comes from. Gundam Type Zero, and he's got a link here, and I haven't checked to see if this is the case, but maybe Chris Solbro has. But it sounds, it sounds, uh, says here that Funimation, not Funimation, but Funimation, is re- uh, their their uh, recent releases on Netflix are going to support dual audio. They do indeed. I have verified this myself, and uh, perhaps recognizing what it is that uh, those fans want when you select an anime, it's mm-hmm. already set by default to Japanese and English subtitles. Oh, really? Oh, okay. For the titles that have it, which is a lot of them. There are some things that uh, do not have it, some of the older ones, so maybe they'll be updated with um, yeah, it's just the new here. language. It's this uh, notable omissions right now are Samurai 7, Speed Grapher, and Mushi. And um, which is a pretty good show. I've actually watched that. Um, but yeah, so wow, that's pretty cool. So um, there you go. So Netflix and Funimation 
partnering together to make anime fans happy, but they'll probably complain about something in the future. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero, for your submission. Oh, quick one here. Uh, it's about robots, and it's pretty cool. There's a new viral video. I've actually tri- I've actually checked it out. Uh, that's um, Mr. Rodimus76 has got a link here to the Gink Tyrant. I'm sure you've seen it on YouTube, the new viral video featuring the Sentinels from uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. Yes, indeed. So yeah, check that out. That's um, some pretty cool stuff. I, I like the I like the way that they kind of integrate stuff in there. So thank you, <laughs> Mister Rodimus seventy six, for your submission. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Soul Bro. Uh, did you I, have a comment? I'm- I just wanted to add that if you want to see more of that stuff, you can head over to Trask Industries dot um, I believe dot com, and it is a, a viral site that's built around uh, Trask in- Trask Industries, the, the company that makes the Sentinels. You can see uh, all sorts of clips up there. Uh, even Peter Dinklage as uh, Bolivar Trash. So uh, Trask, I, I gotta, I, I want to say trash every time I say that. But uh, uh, all that information is up there. It's a lot of neat information on how the Sentinels and uh, are, are built and and what abilities they have and the mutant uh, uh, was it inhibitor collar and all that other technology is up there. So check that out, and you can also see that viral video up there too. Okay, all right. So um, thank you, Mister Rodimus seventy six, for that, and thank you. Um, Mr. Solbro for that additional information. Oh, the next one here is from EA Net Dude. And it looks like uh, there was the first Wednesday that Pacific Rim, we've all heard of that movie, um, I guess it had a record-breaking opening of $9 million, which I would imagine is probably pretty good for them. And uh, talking here that based on uh, some of the international enthusiasm, um, you know, could be hitting the, the, the worldwide amounts that it uh, wanted to wants to hit so i haven't i don't have anything out further on this i don't know if you guys have any updated information on that because right here i was talking about this was the end of july the 31st 84 million in america 149 worldwide so uh, i don't know where it's at at this point so um, but it seems like it's uh, slowly getting up to where they want it to go so We'll have to see about that. So thank you, Mr. EA Net Dude, for your submission. Ooh, Bloody Knight's got a site. He's got a link here. Gundam 00 Season 2, you know, the greatest Season 2 ever now, um, is, uh, is it's live in Gundam Info on YouTube. So nice. you want to check that out. Definitely, if you missed what all the excitement about of Season 2 uh, then you can definitely check that out. So thank you, Mr. Bloody Knight, for your submission. By the way, yeah. on that same subject, um, mm-hmm. I don't think we mentioned this in the last episode, but Daisuke has since set up a YouTube channel. Oh, okay. And they do have uh, Double Zeta on there, and they also have Seed and Zeta. And the interesting thing is the way they're slowly releasing the episodes on the main website, but on YouTube, at least last time I checked, they actually had put up all of both series, and they were in Japanese with subtitles. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying the whole entire series are up there on YouTube? All of Seed and all of Zeta in Japanese. And since it's YouTube, of course, if you have a smartphone or a tablet or you're watching it on, say, the PS3 or Wii or any other console, you can enjoy your Gundam through there now, right on your TV screen. Wow, that's badass. So yeah. another another option for watching uh, all of this uh, legal Gundam streaming. Yeah, but still complain. Still complain. <laughs> and also, uh, for the record, according to Box Office Mojo, Pacific Rim is at over $344 million worldwide. Okay, cool. Thank God. <laughs> 
So it's still got a ways to go, um, box office wise, but it's 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 slowly creeping there, man. I hope it uh, yes. it makes it there before it gets out of theaters. The the majority of that's two hundred and forty seven million being foreign. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's not including um all of the grosses of Japan since it just opened. So we don't know how long that will run in theaters and what the overall run will be. Yeah. Okay. Not well bad. cool. All right. Next one here. Oh, the first from an even Australian, Vent Noir. And he's got a link here to Anime News Network, and there's some pictures uh, showing um, a full-size Ingram for, for the live-action Pat Labor uh, movie. So um, they show it on the back of, like, a flatbed truck. And um, so, yeah, definitely uh, check those out. Definitely some cell phone pics are taken, <laughs> like, behind, <laughs> behind, behind a, a closed area. Yeah, closed area and stuff. But, yeah, definitely uh, looks pretty cool. So check uh, that I'll out. I'll be glad to have any new Pat Labor, if for nothing more than it'll make people stop bitching about the third movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, wouldn't new Pat Labor make the third movie a classic? No, how it works now? <laughs> <laughs> kind of how it works, but we'll see. We'll see. But um, and I won't let him go unnoticed here. But Burtman Four is actually he had to one up Mister Vent Noir and say, "Yeah, I know he's already posted this, but these shots appear to be of." higher quality resolution so <laughs> so a war between vent noir and burt man 4 has now begun so thank you both for your submissions uh next one here is coming from that's the news music <laughs> the news music of unpreparation <laughs> no, the news music of waiting for stuff to load. Uh, <laughs> um, actually, next one here is from Yazi88, and he's got a, a link here on YouTube. And uh, Guillermo del Toro, the director of Pacific Rim, it's uh, documenting his visit to Japan with both the adult and child actresses of uh, the film character Mako. And uh, so, yeah, definitely check that out. And he, he also visits, it's showing him visit the Gundam Museum in Obadiah. And he actually admits that the Chirino Alpha was inspired by the Zaku 2. Looks exactly like it. <laughs> That's awesome. There you go. Some, some inside info about Specific Rim. Good yeah. shit. Specific. <laughs> specific, Very specific. Specific about Pacific Rim. Specific Pacific Rim stuff. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Mr. Yazi88, for your submission. Oh, the next one here is from Wilder. And, man, this is some good stuff because now, well, it looks like old Neo might be going and uh, might be spending a little bit of cash here shortly. And I'm sure probably Solbro and Chris will be in the same situation. Uh, but there's been some license rescues for Bandai Sunrise shows. And the first one, um, this is what Funimation is rescuing cowboy bebop outlaw star vision of escaflone escaflone the movie I didn't have to rescue that but i'm sure that was the package uh my hime my atomi my atomi oh whatever zero cipher uh, zero cipher uh my atomi's way tales of the abyss witch hunter robin oh uh, favorite <laughs> it was good up to that certain point uh, <laughs> code geass lelouch of the revolution uh r2 of code geass Code Geass, Akito the Exiled, Angel Links, Crest of the Stars, Banner of the Stars, Banner of the Stars 2, Passage of the Stars, Birth. So, yeah. So, um, some excitement there, especially if we can start getting stuff like Cowboy Bebop in that and Blu-ray, which would be great. 
I imagine they had to take some some junk in there with that package because Angel Links like, and Escafone. Oh God, Angel Links! Why the why? Why would why anyone want to rescue exist? Angel? Oh, but <laughs> you know, Stars is a nice grab though. I I I I like that show a lot. I I held off on buying. I mean, I used to have the old Bebop DVDs and I got rid of them. I held off on buying the Still remaster because I figured. It's coming out on Blu-ray in Japan pretty soon. There's no way that anime companies are going to let a title that popular oh, God, yeah. be unlicensed for long. And I had hoped that Funimation would rescue it and put it on <laughs> Blu-ray. And lo, they have. So Damn good it. choice there. And hopefully Outlaw Star will be on Blu-ray as well because I didn't pick uh. that up. DVD. If Escaflone happens to be on Blu-ray, I'll pick that up even though I already have it on DVD. And uh, one of the big ones that I'm kind of surprised was not mentioned was uh, Gitsack. Yeah. Yeah. But since that was sort of like a co-production thing between Bandai and Mangler, I don't know what the status is of that. So that still might be in Mangler's hands. I don't know the situation. But I would love to have some Gitsack on Blu-ray. Well, do you want some more licensed rescue information? Because that was just... That was just Funimation. Not Funimation, but Funimation. The next one is Sentai Filmworks. And these are the following shows that they've released that they are going to be rescuing. Sacred 7, The Big O, The Big O 2, Argento Somo, Better Man, Sacred, Z-Mine, Zegapain, The Girl Who Leapt Through Space, Infinite Revias, Kokuyo Kama, The Animation, Brain Powered, and Overman King Gainer. Oh, shit. Yeah. Now, well, Big that, O was also released on Blu-ray in Japan, yeah. so here's hoping that that gets released here. And uh, King Gainer, I'm glad to hear yeah. is back. I scooped that up on DVD a long time ago, but if that's on Blu-ray too, which it is in Japan, I, I'd scoop that up on Blu-ray again. It looks like I Sentai got their hands on all the, uh, the, not, the, Gundam, the non-Gundam Tomino works that uh, Bandai had under their belt. At least, uh, the one I imagine they really didn't want Brain Power, though, at Sunrise. <laughs> like, you want well, that, 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 was, that was the King Gainer deal. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, it's like, you, you want, want King Gainer? This, you're taking You want King Gainer and you want Big O? You better take Brain Powered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad they saw value in Argento Soma. That's such a good show, and Big O, I own that on DVD 2 and um, Infinite Revise, Revise is another show I really enjoy even though it's uh, Harai, Harai face all over that show but uh, that was the first anime series I ever saw that was from uh, Hisashi Harai so um, if anything uh, it, it, it's, it's a good show um, so mm-hmm. I'm looking at my shelf here and aside from Gundam and Gitsack between all of these rescues and the ones that already happened in the past, doesn't that pretty much cover Bandai's library? No. All the major titles? Oh, major titles, yeah. I own some yeah. series from Bandai that, um, that, that they didn't mention. Unless you're, unless I'm talking about the be... stuff people actually care about. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. So you're going to shit on Kazi Yo No Jimbo. Damn. Damn, that's a good-ass show. Y'all, y'all just don't. It is, but it's, you know, not, it's not a, now big, it's think not of a mainstream it, though, anime Someone show. needs to swipe up Sword of the Stranger because that's a See? pretty damn good movie. So you're about to shit all over the other titles. <laughs> Then you remember no, I'd forgotten one. about that. I've only <laughs> seen it once, and the deep, the Blu-ray's expensive as hell now. Yeah, but what he means is there. And the girl who left through time. These are things that are going to sell. So you might get, you might get those. You might get the. Well, I mean, some of those yeah, titles. I each titles. When 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 all the uh, all the Genion titles were up for grabs, or at least a lot of them were. No one yeah. picked up Master Keaton. I understand. Yeah. Let's not kid ourselves. There's some stuff that never sold back then. Mm-hmm. It's never going to sell now, and it's never going to sell ever. So, <laughs> and, and and it may be good, and it's just you may love it, but it's just not going to, you know. In the end, hate to break, to hate to break to everybody. Yeah, no. Anime industry, it's a business. Sorry, sorry to break that to everybody. Um, but yeah, thank you, Mister Wielder, for your submission. Uh, next one here uh, comes from. Oh, 
Vent Noir again. And this is actually kind of a little funny. Uh, this is from io9. And it's just some of the more ridiculous ways uh, that the world has ended in uh, uh, some uh, different shows, some including traffic, con- traffic construction, an air show makeup mishap, <laughs> bomb-based religion, half-assed climate control, a handshake, <laughs> eight bullion. That's that's going to uh, Dragon Ball. Um, uh, single martial arts move. <laughs> Poor waste management. <laughs> Wally, <laughs> magic cell phone voodoo, and pouty teenage boy. Oh man, <laughs> is that a lot of anime? <laughs> mm, so, pouty teenage boy. I wonder what that's from. Uh, we won't even go there. Um, but yeah, thank you, Mister Vent Noir, for your submission. Oh, next one here from Destiny Gundam, and he's. Got a link here. There's going to, and this is kind of appropriate for what we're talking about since we're doing season two or season three of Transformers Prime. There's already talk now because this this is the last season of uh, Transformers Prime. There's talk about the new Transformers animated series. And Robert, Roberto Orsi has said that it's not really a reboot, but it's going to be kind of a continuation of what Prime Transformers Prime in a tonally different form. So I don't know what the hell that means, but I guess they're not going to reboot everything. It's going to be, it'll probably look maybe at the same characters as Transformers Prime, but I'll be we a lot can speculate on that once we yeah. finish talking about season yeah. three because that'll be more yeah so, before we get into stuff. But just wanted to cover that and uh, give give some props to our, our good friend. Destiny Gundam, uh, evil bastard that he is. Um, so thank you for your submission. And the last one here comes from Rodimus76, and he's just got a link here. Um, even though you know it's more of a comic book thing, but because they have the Sentinels in there, there's now some. Uh, he has a link to the blueprints to the Sentinels that are going to be featured in X-Men Days of Future Past. So even though that movie's about a year out, you're, it looks like we're going to start getting inundated with all these uh, little viral and extra extra things going on. So uh, well, thank you. I believe they just finished filming, so you know now is when we start the heavy promotion. Yeah, but is that early next year? Like early summer or like springtime, summer? Think, no, it's summer. It's the, middle, it's the middle of the middle summer. Of, yeah. Middle of summer. Yeah, so um, we're a little a little under a year away then yeah. yeah so but yeah so check that out and uh thank you mr rodimus 76 for your submission and thank you all posters and uh, if you have any news articles to post always go to the neos listener submitted news articles thread in the gundam section of the mecha talk forum and before we go on to our first topic um i know that we have uh some uh hopers and dreamers with uh with sobro so sobro take it away Well, this segment's like a dream come true. Welcome mm-hmm. to the Hopers and Dreamers Corner, gang. <laughs> and um, many thanks to those who submitted hopes and dreams. You can submit yours to the uh, Mecha Talk Forum for Gundam. There's a thread in there for the Hopers and Dreamers Corner. Head on over there and uh, submit your hopes and dreams and have them hit read on the show. And our first submitter is none other than K. Katsuragi. And uh, he writes, is it cool to have a perver- sorry, is it cool to have a perverted hope and dream post here? He, he writes, he adds uh, nothing. Alrighty then. Tis my hope and dream that Japan drops their damn po- policy on censorship. You know who you are out there. Those who agree with me, don't be ashamed. <laughs> Whatever could he be referring to? 
whatever could he be referring to? I thought Japan was completely open, no censorship. Any thoughts, guys? You know, I'm going to completely agree with this one because mosaics are the devil. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so, I, 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 will, I, will, I will switch sides. So you guys know, Chris takes a firm stance on mosaics. <laughs> Mosaics are the worst thing ever. <laughs> no mosaics. Don't put them in in your your so your your media, uh, whatever that media may be. Exactly. Keep it out. Keep it out. But uh, thank you very much, Kay. Um, and we'll move on to the next submitter, which is uh, Silver underscore August. And he writes, "It ain't Mecha, but I'm hoping for a new Digimon anime that doesn't suck or give up halfway." Is that how that series rolls? Damn. Damn. I, I have no clue. So. I've never seen an episode of Digimon in my life, so. If you if you if you're uh, familiar with anime, a lot of them end up giving up halfway anyway. So. Yeah, that, that, that's not, that's not always a problem. It's just Digimon. <laughs> a lot of other animes that just give up or suck. So here's hoping that your shows that you're watching and invest time in don't do that to you. But uh, all I know is welcome to anime, man. It's a it's a tough ride, no matter what the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and thank you for for your submission. Uh, Zeon Silverstar writes the next submission here, and uh, he he uh, submits. All right, K, I'll co-sign on that. As for my own hopes and dreams, I'd like to see more of the Gundam novels translated into English. This particular hope came about after I finished reading the novelization of Mobile Suit Gundam. Um, wow, uh, I, it'd be nice to see that, and uh, I don't know if it's a, a far-fetched hope and dream. I, I know this much. Oh, no, it's absolutely far-fetched hope and dream. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll, say this, I'll say this for the 10 millionth time. Oh, wow. Go ahead. Go ahead. These things don't make any money. <laughs> they don't yeah. make money. money. Yeah. Stop asking for things that don't make money. Oh, my God. How many freaking times has Ed Chavez on the vertical Twitter or Tumblr explained these things about novels? Japanese novels don't make much money in America. Especially Gundam. I mean, look what we had. We had two tiny reprints of um, the Mobile Suit Gundam novels. We had uh, the Seed novels that never even got beyond the third one by Tokyo Pop. <laughs> yeah. Because they never even licensed the last two. And what else? Is, is anything else ever released aside from those two things? I can't think of much. I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, is yeah, I mean, a novel. That's a lot of work. Like, you, you know, all the work that probably goes into a manga book is there's a lot. But let's just say it. Let's say it's a it's, lot more dialogue. Yeah. Let's say let's say a manga book uh, is a thousand hours. Well, a, a, a novel similar size might be five thousand hours. <laughs> thousand hours. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, be real. No, I mean, there's, there's a lot of a lot of thousand hours. It's, yeah. It's like translating an RPG. There's a lot of dialogue in that too. But I mean, there's more of a more of a chance it's going to make money as opposed to a novel. Yeah. Right. Um. And and you know, I, I it, it's it's real oh, slim. Yeah. It's real slim that 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 would happen to bring those books here. But I mean, the books that do come out here support them. Uh, slim as in absolutely never. Oh. <laughs> I I mean, for God's sakes, when they do the reprint of the Gundam uh, of Mobile Suit Gundam novels, they have to discount it on Amazon to get rid of them anyway. So, I mean, it's just I mean, let's God, let's 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 be real people. If you want to read Gundam novels, you have two choices. Mm -hmm. 
learn Japanese or rely on people who do fan translations and release them through methods. That's all you're getting. And, and you're hope never, never going to see yeah. uh, a Gundam novel released in America again. Yeah, you're not going to get what? Simon Schuster releasing these things. <laughs> you know. Uh, the other the other option is hope they adapt them like uh, Unicorn, but right now Unicorn stands as the the example of of a Gundam novel being adap- adapted and um I don't who knows if we're going to see that again in a in a you know in a short period of time. So, um it's a nice hope though. And yes. if anything, keep I'll just out. throw this out as a blanket response to every hope and dream. <laughs> Stop asking for things that don't make money. There you go. <laughs> that that flat disclaimer right there. <laughs> yes. Just, I'm just gonna, that's like a presumed starting point. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. in a lawsuit, just reincorporate that allegation in every single part of the argument. Hashtag boilerplate. Yes. <laughs> Stop asking for things that don't make money. Nice. Nice. Um I guess uh, I, this this will just add on to the last uh, the last um, submission, and this will close this out. Uh, K. Katsuragi he went ahead and uh, added that uh, he salutes um, Zeon Silver Star for the submission, and he says, "I'll return the favor." I want to read Sentinel so I can tell those all those people who want it animated that it is overrated. Ouch. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> speaking of Sentinel, that one is precisely available through Methods. Oh, I haven't read it. I can't speak to its accuracy of translation, but I I know that is out there through methods. Well, so nice. there you go. There you go. That's right. You just threw that into the ether. People now know and go ahead and hunt that down if you guys are interested. They can go pre-order it. Nice. Yeah. Like thank Sobro you. Does. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. Thank all of you for your submissions to the Hopers and Dreamers Corner. Uh, that's it for today. And I turn the mic back over to Neo. All right. Well, before we even go into the first and only topic of this one, I do feel that things are getting a little old. I feel like I'm drinking a highball now. It's back when women couldn't vote and men were men and women were women as long as they were in the kitchen. And I think it's time for some old-timey news reading with old-timey Chris. Chris, take it away. We do have a couple of submissions, although Ooh, I did couple. fail to make a, uh, a thread. So there will be a thread up by the time this episode comes out. And the first one comes from Arbiter Gundam. So let's let's get old timey. <clears throat> Danger, excitement, mustaches. It's time for another new installment of Vault Hunter Adventures featuring Sir Hammerlock. In this week's tale, our hard-boiled heroes travel to the savage continent of Agris. Their goal? To uncover the most savage and exotic creatures Pandora has to offer and give them the old one-two. But danger looms on this horizon for our swell swashbucklers. Though Handsome Jack may be gone, his legacy lives on. Sir Hammerlock's big game hunt. Well read. Well read. (laughs) Thank you, Arbor Gundam. And the next one here comes from Yokozuna Bulldozer. Looking for hard-boiled police action with super robot officers? Well, wander no more, dear listener. You are now enlisted as a proud member of the Brave Police, where the boys in metal wear badges brighter than searchlights and carry big guns. Join boy captain Yuta Tomonaga and the crew, Deckard, McCrane, Power Joe, Dumpson, Trillboy, Shadow Maru, Gunmax, and Duke as they take down the most lethal high-tech outlaws of tomorrow. From morning patrols around the neighborhood to taking down the most diabolical madmen on the loose, these finely engineered law enforcers get the job done like clockwork. So tune in for all the drama, all the science, and all the rock'em suck'em action in a breathtaking episode of Brave Police J. Decker. 
I challenge anybody out there to take that audio and put it to the video from uh, for, from clips of uh, Brave Police Jay Decker and make a little nice commercial for that. Let's com- com- combine the two. I throw that challenge I, out there. I would like to see that. I would love to see that. That's awesome. Well, well, well is that it, Chris, or any more? Oh, well, it. thank you for having us go to the Sorkin verse. <laughs> it's Sorkin. <laughs> yeah, I mean everything it's was the Sorkin verse. Right? Yeah. <laughs> snappy dialogue is every second yes exactly and uh well chris will have that thread up uh, he said by the time this episode's released so um i'm i'm sure i'm sure he'll have it up there so thank you chris and thank you Solbro, and thank you everyone for your submissions and we will be going to our first and only topic of this episode uh our review and thoughts of season three of transformers prime you're listening to gundam at mhq You give that fucking Nimrod fifteen hundred dollars, and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Bitch, shut the up. What do the Anime Addicts Anonymous hosts think of My Little Pony? If you're a dude older than twelve, <laughs> you really should not be watching My Little Pony. And if you are, go eat some chicken wings. Anime. I'd rather watch the Smurfs. Smurfette was hot. Addicts. I'm pretty sure I set a few My Little Ponies on fire when I was a, when I was a child. Anonymous. No, that's cool. I'm just saying, like, My Little Ponies burn real nice because they're made of plastic. Podcast. Visit us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, and live from Japan on Ustream.tv. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com. Slash Pit Podcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Open. God damn it! Open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! Damn it, MHQ. We're going to get into our main topic now, which is a review of Transformers Prime Season 3, which has just concluded its broadcast in the U.S. So, going back to where we had left off, we had a cliffhanger at the end of Season 2 where Megatron's ship comes down and uh, blows up the Autobot base. The Autobots all spread out and go their various ways along with the little chillins, and Optimus stays behind, and as a result, 
meets a bad fate because we see a severed arm lost among the rubble. So that was quite the cliffhanger. So we pick up pretty much from there. And as a result of all of that, the Autobots have been scattered around the world. They don't have any contact with each other. They don't know what happened to Optimus. And Megatron has uh, basically taken over the area, started building an evil fortress and calling the area now Dark Mount. So basically, the Autobots are in the worst possible situation they've ever been in. So the opening arc here, you have everyone sort of trying to struggle to survive on their own and get in touch with other people. We find out that Optimus indeed did survive, but has been heavily damaged and basically is at the end of his life. But Smokescreen decided to come back for him and has found him and he's... uh, basically doing the whole uh, Rodimus spiel on him about uh, taking the Matrix, and you think for a while that maybe we're going to be getting Smokescreen Prime, but uh, no, it does not turn out that way because Smokescreen ends up swiping the forge of Solus Prime from Megatron, and all the Autobots come back together, and he uses the last remaining power of the Forge of Solus Prime to totally rehab and upgrade Optimus, giving him new vehicle form, giant Gatling gun, a flight pack, pretty much all of the goodies you could want in a toy. So you have this very quick reversal where the Decepticons are suddenly on top, and now the Autobots strike back, they come back together, get a new base with Fowler's help. You've got the Decepticons moving forward with their plans, which involve Shockwave collecting uh, DNA samples and relics, or rather robot DNA samples, to try to clone a living Predacon, which has been instinct on Cybertron for like a gazillion years. And he succeeds by creating a very crazy savage dragon looking thing that later takes on the name Predaking. So we've got that thread running throughout the season. Eventually that develops into the surprise revelation that Predaking is actually sentient and can transform into a humanoid mode, which is revealed surprisingly while Starscream is trying to beat him into submission like someone trying to very poorly handle a dog that's misbehaving. So as the storyline develops throughout the season, a very old element from way earlier in the season comes back to the forefront, and that is Ratchet's formula for synthetic energon, or rather robot steroids. That, (laughs) yes, as it turns out... uh, can help create cybermatter, which Megatron wants to use to rebuild the Omega Lock and uh, restore Cybertron, basically renewing that conflict from the end of season two. And Ratchet appears to go along with it, but doesn't really because he's trying to sabotage or sabotage Megatron. But by the end, when we have this showdown in space on the Decepticon warship with the completed Omega Lock, the Decepticons get their asses kicked. Uh, Bumblebee runs Megatron right through with a freaking sword. And the Autobots take control of the ship and use the Omega Lock to restore Cybertron, or rather at least kickstart the restoration of Cybertron and make that thou their new project. So, um, Solbro, why don't you give us some general thoughts on season three, the new characters, any particular episodes that stand out, and the season overall? 
Wow, it was a very, very fast-paced season. Um, I was sad to hear going into this that the season was only going to be 13 episodes, but they don't waste a second, at least for the most of it, when you're sitting there watching uh, the run of the episodes. And unlike season two, I actually watched season three in its entirety in, in the course of two days. Uh, season two, I actually watched that as it was airing, but um, my DVR had issues because I didn't realize that the show's name was changed. To Beast Hunters. To Beast Hunters. So I would have watched it week after week if it wasn't for that issue. So I just ended up just... Um, I narrowly avoided that issue myself by physically checking it because i know how stupid my dvr can be <laughs> i feel bad for anybody who also fell into that vo- that vortex but uh if anything i was it was nice to finally uh watch the show straight on and um, um watching the episodes it was uh it was really cool one of the episodes called plus one uh was actually written by greg wiseman a favorite uh writer of ours that's running shows um like gargoyles and um Spectacular Spider-Man. Spectacular Spider-Man. And Young Justice. Young Justice and the upcoming Star Wars cartoon, whatever that may be. Rebels. Rebels. That's it. That's it. Uh, he's going to be. He wrote an episode of, uh, of the season of Transformers Prime, and it was the episode where Arcee and Wheeljack teamed up to get the Predacon bone. And um, basically everybody was uh, teaming up to go on different missions to get the bones. And also uh, Fowler's trying to yes. put the moves on Jack's mom. Trying to mack on June. <laughs> hey, man. Sees, he sees a MILF, he's going to go after her. Hey, man, that's Marky Post, son. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, it, it made for a great episode. Uh, he, he wants to enter some night court with her. There you go. <laughs> I, I just freaking dated myself so bad there, but whatever. I'm just as dusty. But, <laughs> but yeah, that was a, that was a very fun episode. I, I, that's one of my favorites this season. Um, another one was Thirst, which followed right afterwards. And I, I'm pretty sure it's a favorite for a lot of people because of the vampire um, element. But I think what I really enjoyed about it is there were callbacks, as Chris mentioned, to uh, the synthetic Energon from Season 1 that Ratchet worked on. And Dark Energon, too, from Season 1 that uh, played a huge role then. And to combine the two makes for a really unholy mix. <laughs> Making uh, vampiric Transformers, or Terracons as they call them. Uh, it, it made for a fun yet uh, disturbing episode, especially how that episode ends um I went, and, and also we got back uh arachnid she was finally reawakened after all this time she as you remember in season well two. aren't you forgetting the main thing of the dark energon and the synthetic the return of silas the return of silas thank you i skipped that sorry about that yeah it was uh, we thought that silas the creepy was dead. return of silas return yeah of real disturbing return we thought that silas was dead the entire time or he might have been you know eventually his fate was to be killed off by uh I forget that Transformer's name, the the Decepticon's name, the Doctor on board. Knockout. 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 But instead, he's just been kept alive as an experiment. Which is not at all surprising, given no. the kind of jerk that Knockout is. Knockout's such a scumbag. <laughs> no, he's, he's, the, he's the best character. The dude's awesome. He's so awesome in season three. He's wonderfully depicted, though. I think Darren Norris does his voice, and he kills it every time uh, Knockout's on the screen. Especially the last scene in the series with him. Yeah, it was really well done. But yeah, that episode stands out to me as probably one of my favorites, um, especially how it ends and how it plays out. And it, it kind of leaves a thread hanging that they could go into hopefully a movie or uh, maybe the the whatever follow-up is coming up after this. My, well, don't talk about it like you don't know that the follow-up oh. doesn't exist because you do. Oh, yeah, there's a movie coming up in October, and I'm sure Chris will go into detail about that as we get later on into the uh, discussion. But uh, maybe that'll play a role in that uh, in that movie that's coming up. I'll just point out a few random things that I, I, I really dug about this season. Um, 
when finally Predaking was uh, introduced as a transformable uh, Decepticon or Predacon, um, when he revealed himself, he was voiced by Peter Mensah, who I'm a big fan of. For those who watch Spartacus, the actor that played him was um, Doctore in Spartacus or Animaeus, and that actor has really been stealing scenes in a lot of shows that I've seen recently, and he killed it as Predaking. Um, Michael Ironside is Ultra Magnus. Holy shit. <laughs> Outside of Robert Stack, who originally voiced him in the original um, Generation 1, they couldn't have picked a better actor to take that to pick that character and have Michael Ironside come in and play. Ultra Magnus just really embodied that character. I think it was a great casting choice. And then uh, towards the end, Will Friedel coming in to play the, the voice of uh, Bumblebee, where when Bumblebee finally gets uh, his body restored because of the Omega Lock, he can finally speak again, and it's none other than the voice of Batman Beyond, Will Friedel. So that was a nice touch towards the end of the episode. Uh, and to close the season with that, I thought... That was a really awesome choice to pick. Other than that, uh, it, it was it, this, this series was just so fast paced. When they when they tried to, to mislead you about them killing off Prime and giving the uh, the Matrix to to Smokescreen, I you know I, I was starting to get worried there that they were going to pull a, a Transformers the movie for a second. But then um, we got denied Smokescreen Prime when they regenerated his body with the Forge. I'm so glad they avoided that freaking cliche. Oh. I'm so glad that oh. for once. We got one damn Transformers series yeah. where Optimus does not die. No, they just they transformed him into Gundamus Prime with the Strike L pack, man. It was great. <laughs> and, and a heavy arms Gatling. Ooh, hell yes, man. It, it, Prime never looked better, man. And he took his place as the leader of the team. But um, I love the touch that uh, he didn't kill Megatron. That it, that it was actually Bumblebee at the end that did it. You loved the touch? I lo- <laughs> 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 no pun intended, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was a nice touch that Bumblebee was the one that ended up getting his payback against Megatron at the end, because Megatron had that shit coming. <laughs> he certainly did. But uh, I've talked enough. I'll, I'll pass the mic back to you, Chris. All right. Neo, your thoughts on season three? Well, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is Prime didn't die for once, because they mess with you. You're thinking in this episode, oh, God, he's sitting there. Prime wants to die. He wants to. He wants to give up the maker. He, he, he wants I'm he must wants sacrifice to, for the he wants to give in to that cliche so hard. Oh, he is like, there has been so many shows before me that have done this, so I must do this. What has happened before will happen again. It felt like it was in you know Battlestar Galactic for a second. And I was like, <laughs> no, we can break this chain. We can break this. Um, thank God they did that. And like Solbro stated too, I'm glad that for once uh, Prime, somebody else got Megatron. <laughs> and it, it was nice. I mean, it just, it it um you know it jumbled it up enough where okay yeah it's still transformers but yeah it's just a little different um they broke the clichés uh what was kind of nice yes it was a fast pace cuz it's only 13 episodes but we were only limited to one fetch quest which wasn't bad. Yeah, I'd have to say the standout of, of all my characters in this one was I always ni- liked Knockout when he was introduced, but he's just so over the top in this one. Like the one where, what is it? He gets the Predacon thing. He gets the Predacon part. He kidnaps uh, Fowler and Jack's mom, oh, yeah. and he starts being like such a douchebag. Hey, Big M, it's <laughs> Knockout here. Come pick me up. And it's like, thank God the like the transmissions were... Uh... And, and also throwing out uh, blatant sexual innuendo. Yeah. <laughs> In a kid's cartoon, he's like, oh, you... 
you filthy humans interface with each other. It's yeah, disgusting. It's, like, yeah, it's just like the way you guys interface is just awful. It's uh, like I, I know that no five or six year olds are gonna get that, but that, that hit me. Did. I was like, their wow. Mom dad did. <laughs> yep. I mean, he's just great. And like um like Solber stated, even though it was kind of a separate episode, the zombie slash vampire episode where it's just oops uh hey uh starscream comes in hey knockout what are you doing oh i'm just oh is that silas i didn't know he's still around yeah well i'm just kind of tinkering with some you know synthetic energon some dark energon oh oops now he's going around and sucking all the life force out of all the other um decepticons and all the the cannon fodder and you got them trying to make sure that he doesn't get in um you know megatron doesn't find out what's going on so you got that whole thing with these two guys just in every sniveling uh weaselly way trying to just protect their asses wow (laughs) and what's nice is you get kind of closure with arachnid because okay so we knew she was in stasis from season two oh wow okay she gets out of stasis and then at the end, she gets, uh, is it Cybertron or one of the moons of Cybertron? One of I think, it's, I think yeah. it's one of the moons where it basically, she gets released. She gets with all the Accepticons again. They trick her into a ground bridge to one of the moons. And then, and then oh, she got bit by, you know, uh, Silas. So, you know, so it was kind of an easy way of like getting, getting her out of the way, getting rid of the Accepticons. It's like. Okay, now we have now we have Predaking, Predacon. We don't really need the Insecticons anymore, so just get them out of the way. That was that was a really really nice touch. What about Another, that, how about that bromantic moment between uh, Knockout and Starscream in that episode? <laughs> I totally well, there was there that. was a ton of them. Which one? I mean, there was just a ton of them because the one where they were admiring each other right before oh, the, yeah. the, right before the end was coming, or what they thought was the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so funny because you have two of the most backstabbing Weasley, <laughs> and there's. <laughs> I mean, and and the thing is, is when it comes to the the kind of the continuity of the overall story, it's not really it's a separate story in essence. I mean, it's got a little bit in there, but it's kind of a separate story. So just a just a great thing. Um, the episode where as much as everybody hated Miko, oh, she yes. steps it up in season three because she gets uh, I forget what that armor is called. Um, I think it's the apex, the yes. apex armor. She finally and that's that armor that Starscream was going around in season two and it's basically just a big iron man suit and basically uh, a hulkbuster suit yeah hulkbuster for transformers <laughs> and uh she gets some in this beats the crap out of starscream and stuff so um yeah that was and it actually ends up becoming uh part of the wreck uh, like an official part of the wreckers uh we get some other cool things we find out that uh, ultra magnus was uh the last leader of the wreckers and that wheeljack hates him because you know, Ultra Magnus is, and they and they do it so well because he's just the by the book. Like everything's got to be done the way it's in the book. You know, even though they're at a point in this war where the book doesn't count anymore, but this guy's still wanting to do it. That was kind of that was cool. And then towards the end, we see that he finally gets gets the big picture, and he's like, "Eh, what I was doing is not really working." You know, we get Wheeljack pretty much integrated into the team at that point he's not as much of a a, a lone wolf anymore and um yeah i mean the thing with predaking was was pretty interesting uh especially how 
um, you know, we get the the fact that this guy's pretty much indestructible, and even he's given Megatron some worry. I mean, Megatron, who's not really worried of anything, he's like, well, you know, let's kind of set it up like because they they go around, they get more of this uh, the CNA, which is the cyber nucleic acid, which I thought was funny, and uh, sort of um, you know DNA and. You know, they're, they're wanting to do an army of Predacons and then they're finding out, oh, this thing became sentient. And, you know, Megatron's like, well, let's just kind of, you know, and of course it's put in his, um, you know, in this thing, well, maybe we should try to get rid of them. And they set it up where it looks like the Autobots killed them. And so that's pretty cool. And, and I can't believe that Solbro missed this. We finally, in this whole series, he hasn't spoken the whole entire time, but we finally get Soundwave because he gets captured. Yeah. And he finally speaks, and he speaks pretty much, I'm sure, uh, what is it? Um, Miss uh, Soundwave Superior. Oh, no. Robots, what's that? Inferior. Inferior. No, no, you're completely killing what oh, I was about sorry. to say, but that's fine. That's what you do. No, I'm sure it had Mr. A Heart and Soul all crazy because he does that iconic line of from Transformers the movie, Soul Bro. Go ahead. I know you want to say it. Well, it's a variation, but he just 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 go ahead. Say it. I know what you says. Say. Autobots. Uh, sorry, Soundwave Superior. Autobots Inferior, and he was voiced by Frank Welker, which is the best part about all of that. In, the, in that synthesized voice modulation thing that we they had. Remember, it's one. Yeah. All, so all we all we were missing is him turning into a tape deck. That's all. we <laughs> Yeah, but this is uh, 2013, Dude. not at 1983. Dude, so, yeah. But, yeah, that, that was cool. Overall, um, originally, when I got done with the show, I was like, ah, I wish there could have been more. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you. Looking back now, I'm kind of glad that they did it this way because I think this is one of these situations where it was a good, it was a good story, and enough got kind of closed off, and we have some dangling stuff for you know the future movie that's going to be coming out shortly. But I think if we had more episodes, we might have been in the same issue that we had with season two with the the fetch quest that we had there the series of fetch quests so in the end i'm kind of glad that we it, it stopped at this point for this particular story arc would i like to see them go to a season four and do another story arc that's a different situation but for this one um looking back now i, I think it's good I, I i think i think i'll be honest with you i'm pretty satisfied yeah. with all of the uh final things that came about uh, i don't need a super explanation on everything so and and I, I and i don't think we really need it because it just ended up being um you know ended up being good and thank god it busted all those transformer cliches because nice. for it, once it did what a good series would do and it leaves us wanting more which is uh the best way to leave us honestly and um i, I gotta agree with you even though there's there's plenty of uh material to form for like another season or if they wanted to time jump, which I think they laid off, laid up, they laid enough groundwork if they wanted to do another season and they time jumped it to where the kids are adults. I think that I could, I could roll with that, especially when, um, agent Fowler has a line about the, uh, the apex armor about the fact that they want to, they want to use that technology to kind of create a defense for, for mankind against, you know, any kind of Decepticon threat for the future. I thought it was a nice foreshadowing that of, of things that could possibly come. You never know what I guess the future might hold. Well, the future won't hold any more Transformers Prime. So, um... <laughs> 
Back to you, Chris. All right. Well, <clears throat> a couple of sin outs for me. Definitely uh, having Miko use the Apex armor and beat the crap out of Starscream was wonderful. And then her using it again in the finale. And Starscream, man, the comedic relief with him has just been perfect this season because he is just such trash this season. He's completely overshadowed by Shockwave, who's Mr. Genius, evil scientist guy. He's completely incompetent at everything he does. He can't even control uh, freaking um, <clears throat> Predaking when he's just a crazy robot dragon. I mean, even even Caesar Milan would be like, yo, you're, you're not the pack leader here. Let me show you how it's yeah. done. Did you like his development, though? Like, he, he's kind of different now. Um, because, you know, at the scene where Megatron gets killed, he's, he's actually impassioned about that the death of his leader he actually uh he's come a long way from wanting to stab megatron in the back to being outraged that 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 he's fine i think i think this incarnation of starscream for once has realized he's just not cut out for being a leader absolutely yeah he's better being a sniveling underling that's his that's his best place he found out that he can't hack it as a leader and nobody's going to follow him or take him seriously. Yeah, nobody respects him. Even the Vitacons yeah. treat him like shit. It's like, you guys are cannon fodder. You don't even get names. And yeah. you all look the same. Yeah. And, and, and they're giving crap to Starscream. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, even this stupid robot dragon won't listen to me. It's like, he, I think he finally got the hint that he just ain't cut out to be the Emperor of Destruction. He's comfortable with being number two. Yeah. <laughs> but even, he's, even at that, he's no good. Nope. <laughs> he's more like number three. <laughs> So I loved uh, him and Knockout stumbling into an episode of God. The Walking Dead. <laughs> I was waiting for the Rictatorship to show up. Rictatorship. Which is possibly just one of the funniest episodes of the series. Oh, it really is. Uh, definitely having Michael Ironside as Ultra Magnus was a highlight because his voice just has that presence and that command of authority that, you know, he just he just uh, totally embodies, you know, that harsh, strict military discipline with every single word that he speaks. Every single one. So that was perfect. The finale was great. I really enjoyed Bumblebee getting his voice back and being the one to uh, do in Megatron because that was some uh, some uh, just desserts. Yeah. Although, what the hell, Hub? Why? Why? Possibly the biggest surprise in the series. Mm-hmm. Would you directly spoil it at the very beginning of the preview for this episode? Oh, no. Yeah, it's awful. Yes, it's yeah. awful. The the be, Instantly, as soon as the yeah. preview for that last episode started, you see Bumblebee speaking. It's like, why would you ruin this? Why would you? Why? People are going to watch it anyway. It's the last episode. You don't need to spoil the biggest surprise. Yeah. That's pretty terrible. Yeah. And the thing is, because it spoiled that, you know, once uh, this scene is set up, when you see Bumblebee get blown away by Megatron, it's like, oh, I see what's going to happen. He's going to fall into the juice here with um, yeah. the cyber matter and get redone and get his voice back. And then, boom, that's exactly what happens. And which I'm thinking to myself... Man, Ultra Magnus probably wishes he could have stuck his claw hand into that magic water oh, and God, uh, yeah. get his real hand back. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, but, by Predaking. but 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 uh, as long as they they screwed that up, at least we had the that funny thing with Knockout. Hey, I, I just want to be on the winning team. <laughs> At the end, when Megatron gets killed, he's trying to just like sit there and be like with the Autobots. Oh, well, he got defeated. Good. <laughs> hey guys, you know, <laughs> I never really hated you guys. You know, yeah, I was just I'm you a, know part of that I'm, crowd. <laughs> I'm, I'm a I'm a car too. We're cool, right? I'm practically yeah. one of you. <laughs> 
he was just so awesome in this freaking in this season. Like he was such an asshole. It just you, you always knew his his allegiance was just a sliver away from going to the other side. But in this one, it's just like he's just because. When shock, you know, because he was Mr. Evil Scientist up until Shockwave shows up, and it's like, and it's like that's why him and suddenly you're you're like the low rent evil scientist <laughs> compared to Shockwave. Oh my gosh, that was but, so yeah that that was good stuff. Uh, definitely having Soundwave speak that iconic line was great. The second that happened, I, I was not a fan that we had to go for the third time into yet another fetch quest, but thankfully it was only two episodes. Yeah, it was very short lived. Uh, I am glad that they also finally resolved Wheeljack's whole thing about being a lone wolf because it's getting kind of annoying. Um, him just being a jerk all the time and finally uh, resolving his beef with Ultra Magnus and Ultra Magnus just sort of chilling out and accepting that uh, his strict military ways don't work anymore. Yeah. And I'm glad that the main action of the story ended early enough in the last episode to give us time to set up an epilogue so that even though there are some things left um, unaccounted for, the series ending works pretty much perfectly, I think. Yeah. Like if there was nothing more after this, it's a good ending, especially compared to animated when they had no notice at all that they were being canceled and they had that 20 second epilogue of... Like, yay, we beat Megatron. Autobots rule, the end. (laughs) So it's good that the creators knew that this third season would be their last and that they were able to wrap things up. And if you look at this season, I think that they set out to do... They said they did everything that they set out to throughout these 65 episodes, which, let's face it, that's a lot for a cartoon run these days. Just enough for syndication. (laughs) So... I'm perfectly satisfied with this ending as is if there was nothing more. But, you know, now we know that there will be more because on October 1st in the U.S. we have the Blu-ray release of Predacons Rising. So we have picking up at some point after the end of season three, we have Predaking who uh, was blasted out of the ship. He uh, apparently makes a couple of new Predacons Mm -hmm. and wants to get his revenge on everyone. And we have Unicron coming back to starting up shit by taking over Megatron's body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And have you seen the trailer? Yes. Yeah, I saw it too. It's freaking amazing. Yes. So we have uh, Unicron starting shit, which will cause everyone to join forces to take him down because, of course, he is always bad bad news. It, there's, yeah. a, there's a couple shades of Transformers the movie because when you see Megatron, he looks like Galvatron. Like his Galvatron rendition, the, uh, like the, the few shots you see of him. He uh, looks like Galvatron, and he's working, I guess, in, in the proxy of, uh, as you mentioned, the proxy of uh, Unicron um, under his control and, and pretty much being possessed by him. So it, it kind of is kind of fulfilling the role that uh, Galvatron did in Transformers the movie. Not quite, because, you know, Galvatron was still Megatron, but remodeled. You know, in this case, Megatron's completely dead, and he's just a dead body being possessed by some other dude. Yeah, it's more zombie robots because that's yeah. been the big, his spark that's been the big thing. Yeah, it's been the big thing in this show, the zombie Transformers. Well, I mean, but, that, but that's been the thing. I mean, there's, there, especially when they talked about the Dark Energon and all this other stuff. I mean, look at Cliff Jumper and, you know, Megatron Silas. Himself, pretty Megatron much. himself. Yeah, I mean, that's, and what was it, the uh, the big, the jet? The Skyquake? Or Skyquake, or? yeah. So it's like. That's been the big thing in this, so it does kind of make sense that, you know, Unicron would... Because you never got any definitive of what happened to Unicron in Season 2 or at the end of Season 1. It's just kind of like, well, he got defeated, but, 
you know you don't know if he's destroyed or, or what he is so so wrapping up uh why don't we give some ratings for season three neo oh i'm gonna give it uh <laughs> four and a half uh four and a half uh silas uh walking robots out of uh five Okay, Solbro. Um, I gotta give it. Uh, I, I would give it. Uh, you know what? I was really satisfied by the end of the show. I would definitely give it a uh, five. Miko inside of the Apex armor, kicking ass out of five. And I, I have to add that her character I couldn't stand in season one, but as the series progressed from series two to series three, she ended up being my favorite human out of all of them. So I, 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 I commend the show's writers for actually uh, making her character a whole lot more likable than when... Yeah, because they, they, they basically made Jack and Raphael like kind of... Um not existent in this. <laughs> Mika was the scene stealer. All the, 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 like the towards the end of the show, I was I was hanging off of her every word, and I was glad to see that they they really uh, re-energized their character. Shoutouts to them for doing that. Well, there you have it, and I will give it four and a half out of five humans interfacing. <laughs> well said. You know, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because everybody. Everybody, even the Transformers, robots, uh, you know, lifeless, deadless, dead, dead things, soulless entities, sitting there, noticed that Agent Fowler wanted to get on uh, uh, Jack's mom. <laughs> Except them. <laughs> even Raph, man. Raph kept bringing it up. It was like... <laughs> well, Knockout's like, you sound like an old, an old like, human couple. <laughs> So anyway, that will uh, wrap up this segment. So, of course, come October, we will be discussing Predacons Rising to close the book on Transformers Prime. And I don't know if The Hub is going to air it. So if not, of course, we will all be picking up that Blu-ray because we want to uh, see the conclusion. So check back in October for a discussion of Predacons Rising. But for now, that's it for this. And you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. You got the power! Yeah! You got the touch! You got the power! We have a problem. We need to set up a perimeter. Who is this? Isn't this the coach of the baseball team? No, you have the wrong number. This is Shirley Douglas's residence. Really? Yes, I should know. She's my mother. Your mother? You still live with your mother? How old are you? I'm hanging up now. Kiefer, who was that? Gun Damn it, Mom! I told you to knock before you come in! I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You can't fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you've never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and second opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio.
in a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Let's be clear, Detective Freeman. When I f*** you over, you'll know it. You'll be so goddamn certain you won't need to ask the question. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You're listening to episode 129, and in this episode, we just had one extended segment where we actually wrapped up Transformers Prime uh, with our discussion of season three of uh, Transformers Prime. It was a great season, and uh, we encourage you guys to check that out, uh, either on the hub or whenever it becomes available on Netflix or whatever uh, legal streaming site. Check that show out. It's it's great. You can see the previous seasons on Netflix right now. And uh, before we close this episode out, you know what we got to do. We got to open up that mailbag. And I'll pass the mic over to our postmaster, Chris, to, to do the honors. All right. Well, we take your mailbag questions at the mailbag thread on mechatalk.net. We also take your voicemails at 305-792-8324, which we have none this episode. So please be sure to send those in. And our first question tonight comes from Yokozuna Bulldozer, who says, Hello, number one, name one mecha pilot that gets his slash her job done like a boss. Well, I think without question, the first answer that comes to mind is Chirico Kyuubi because if somebody needs killing, he's going to get them killed. That is true. He is, he is the man to do it. But to be killing, contrarian. Killing's his business and business is good. Business yeah. is always good. <laughs> he's slaying gods over here. <laughs> he's kind of like he's kind of like Mecha Wolverine. He's the best at what he does and what he does isn't exactly the nicest thing. So Yes. But uh, to be contrarian, I I'm going to say... I put Wolverine to shame. Yeah. I'm going to say Mashima. Wow. Yeah, he got it done, man, like a boss. He did. He did, he did nothing, he but blew himself he got up it and done. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> but he looked cool as hell. Doing he it. looked cool as shit doing it. Yeah. He said, got his job done, right? That's what he said. Like a boss. Got nothing done like a boss. There you go. Off to you, Soul Bro. My vote goes for Simone from um, Gorilla Gone. Easily, man. That was one of the... That's, that show ended when freaking Kamina died. I, I, did, I didn't watch after episode nine. You can't. You <laughs> best nine episode ever show ever can't can't do it simo handled himself man he had some issues but towards the end when when all the chips are on the table man he he bet big and he, he threw down with the universe man it was great and uh, i gotta say he, he got his job done and then some awesome right, question number two i recently watched a few tidbits of tetsujin 28 fx a spin-off slash sequel title of tetsujin 28 in the vein of kotetsu shinjig Dan Cougar Nova, and though not a mecha title, Saint Seiya Omega. My question for you guys is this. Which non 
canon sequels do you guys think is good enough that you wished it was canon? And which canon sequels do you guys prefer to consider non-canon? A little trivia regarding Tessigen 28FX was that it was not as popular within its own show ever since the redesigned Black Ox stole the spotlight with its jet fighter transformation and mega particle cannon-like weapons mounted on both sides of its back. All Tetsujin ever got was a bland-looking robotic phoenix clamped to its back if needed. Insert Captain Picard facepalm. Well, I can't really think of too much that that was non-canon because I'm pretty good with like dividing stuff up. I, I kind of like it when you have... I'm a big fan of alternate universes and stuff like that. I, I kind of like that, but there's something that I wish that was that is canon that should not be considered canon, and I probably think that Solbro and Chris may agree with me on this. Stardust Memories. Oh. But especially the Koa Rocky arc. Yeah. of that not 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 the backstory of like some of the stuff that happened with you know the federation and all that but anything dealing with uh koa rocky piloting a gundam uh chris's favorite girl nina purpleton nice porn star uh, moncha and uh <laughs> mustache moncha yes <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and and in a way it was kind of all you know we find out at the end it was really not canon because <laughs> even the earth federation said no we can't have this <laughs> We went from Armoro <laughs> to this guy. No. The entire series is off the books. Insert delete. <laughs> Reformat the hard drives. <laughs> Not good enough for history. No. We'll, we'll even we'll even put Christine over him, even though she went against the broken ass uh, Zaku and a guy that became Hamburger. Hey, she wrecked so. the Gundam. That's all. Yeah. Hey, she had a cool ass suit. So there you go. Um, what canon sequels do you prefer? to consider non-canon well i think it's actually been done but at one time i know that uh g savior was considered canon but it's not considered canon anymore is it it's well here's the thing Uh it's not that it's not considered canon it's just that sunrise ignores its existence completely (laughs) which is a fine line but Uh it is a line so but wasn't it so like so far in the future anyways that it, I mean it's kinda, it's it's a good it's kinda, 70 years after V Gundam and I doubt we're ever going to explore that area so in effect it doesn't really matter yeah as for uh, a series that i think was good enough that i wish it was canon um it's not animated but uh, a manga that i really enjoy uh that i read the few first few chapters of that i wish was canon was shard's deleted affair you never know it might become that if it ever gets animated but i'm not holding out hope that that's going to happen but um that's something i thought was a, a neat exploration of uh the time between um, his time on Mobile Suit Gundam leading up to Zeta. So, um, well, what was cool about it was the escape from Mabalaku. Yes. Because, yeah, because Makube and that, and that thing, he actually survives and he actually goes out like a big boss mm-hmm. in that one. He, so he actually would qualify for the, uh, first question. First question yeah. <laughs> it all falls back. It wasn't all about <laughs> ding my base. <laughs> I can't think offhand of any non canon things I wish yeah. were canon. I mean, like, the only thing that sort of comes to mind, but not really, is Macross 2 because, you know, despite its flaws, yes. I like Macross 2. But the thing about Macross 2 is the development of technology and the universe of Macross yeah. has diverged so far from the future that Macross 2 depicted, even though it's still further in the future than Frontier. You know, there's no way you could integrate Macross 2 into the canon unless yeah. you completely reanimated it and changed a bunch of stuff around. So that's never going to happen. Hey, plus it gave us one of the greatest characters of all time. Dennis. There you go. Exactly. So now I can think of a canon sequel I wish was non-canon, and this may oh. surprise some. Oh, what's that? Let's, let's hear this. Shadow Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. 
Okay. Well, it's kind of surprising, but yeah, in a way. Here's, here's the reason why. Now, I'm well on the record for saying that Robotech served its purpose, and that purpose was over a long time ago. It's redundant. We don't need any more of it. What we need is for people to just get over all these other shows they don't care about and acknowledge Macross and let Macross come over here. So Robotech, to me, is a useless thing in the year 2013. It did its job, and it did it well. Right. That being said, I can respect it for the story that it did in 1985, and it did a pretty damn good job at that. Yeah. Why would you then go and sully what it did with that trash that is Shadow Chronicles? Man. <laughs> Dookie. Yeah, big time Dookie. Especially when it's so badly animated with such horrible CG and you make this movie that's an hour and a half long and you waste the first half hour by redoing the last episode of Most Peta for no reason at all and excluding (laughs) almost the entire cast of Most Peta. Yeah. And having a story that makes no freaking sense. Makes people angry and turn it off. Yes. So Shadow Chronicles, go away. Nobody likes you. And then on top of that, there's this new thing which I don't even I don't even want to watch this. I don't even I don't even want to know. Yes. Yeah, I, I I've been I've been wanting to see just out of curiosity. The, I guess the Robotech fan in me is a uh, is 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 smack- you have to resist, resist the urge. <laughs> this is probably definitely curiosity will kill the cat on this hey, one. Man, Richard, I'm sorry, Richard Epcars returns to uh, the voice of Lunk in there. So I, I don't know. I I, I probably won't. You know what? It, there's but. there's a lot of other things that you can watch Richard Epcar in. <laughs> Robotech doesn't have to be one of them. I, you raise a very good point. So, last question here from him is number three. There are numbers of overclocking gimmicks in Mecha, i.e., Transam from Double O, Seed from Seed, Dangan X from Gal Gygar, Super Mode from G Gundam, etc. So, which is the dumbest of them all, and which is not too bad? A reason or two would be nice. Hmm. Well, it's easy. The ones you just outside of Seed Mode, because Seed Mode was just kind of dumb. The other ones, he said, what Transam, Dangan X, and Gal Gygar, Super Mode, and G Gundam. Those were awesome. Those are cool. Some things that are kind of dumb. Seed Mode was kind of dumb because it never really went anywhere. It's well, like, Seed Mode was garbage because. You know, it's this mysterious power that only a few people have, but it's always, you know, main characters. And it's never at all explained what it is, how you get it, or what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, throughout two series over the course of 100 episodes. They could never bother to actually explain what the hell it was. Yeah, because they, they, they mess with you. They're like, oh, it's just coordinators that are getting this. And then it's like, oh, no, Kigali. It's like, <laughs> I, I, what is going on here? I don't even understand any of this. So, yeah, They did not flesh it out well. Something I didn't enjoy all that much was the, the Zero system in Gundam Wing. I thought that, uh, I just found it weird that it would just drive some people insane and other people could overcome it. But um, eventually everybody had to kind of ride the bucking Bronco at one point and tame it and as as cool as that was it's like okay what's why does it make people nuts <laughs> well you <laughs> know what though you you say that but i i do i didn't mind the zero system because when you look at god if you look at the whole thing with gundam wing in the end the overall message is you know this is trace's message is to to make war to pe- make people really learn from war they have to experience the 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 worst of war instead of using like robots and drones and stuff like that so I didn't mind 
find that were some of those episodes extremely long. Yes, they were. But I, I didn't mind that too, too much because I look at it now and it's almost like, wow, this is kind of, you know, geez, Trey's is like a freaking a man before his time in this aspect of, uh, you know, now now we actually have within our real world, even our politicians questioning the use of unmanned robotic vehicles doing assassinations or killings or some stuff like that. So it, it is one of the I mean, I, I see what you're saying, because it was some of them were excruciating long, but it's I, I could see why it was what it was. If you look at what, you know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. I just thought it was just. Yeah, it is kind of it is kind of hokey, especially with Quattro. But anything, <laughs> anything with Quattro is just awful. So. Damn, man. Catcher, the, the the whipping boy of Gundam pilots. <laughs> Let's play no, music. Wait a minute, that would be that would be Shin. <laughs> yeah, Shin Shin's higher in the totem pole than Catcher is. Yeah, you can't catch a break. But Catcher Catcher's above uh, Ko. All right, so for me, a gimmick that seems pretty stupid is the uh, the modular system of impulse. Specifically, <laughs> not the system itself, but the fact that they inexplicably always launch it from the Minerva in pieces. Why yeah. do they do that? It makes no freaking sense. Why are you going to launch it in pieces, wait for it to assemble, then give it a silhouette pack? Just freaking launch it as base impulse, equip the pack you're going to put on it, and let it go the same way that Strike used to launch from the Archangel of putting the pack on it. It makes no freaking sense, and it's just a waste of time seeing, oh, Silhouette Flyer, take off! Uh, you know, I mean, Core Splendor, take off! Uh, chest Flyer, Leg Flyer, combine! Silhouette Flyer, take off! It's like, oh my god, this is such stupid filler. And, and, what, and what makes it so bad is, unlike in Victory, where a lot of those pieces were like mass-produced pieces and sometimes used it as strategy when it came to your fight, this, it was like, it wasn't. It, that was it's just, like, the, just system. the same two pieces occasionally, you know, they got new ones when, um, you know, things were going on like uh, the battle with freedom. But for Christ's sakes, it's not like they had, you know, to launch it in pieces because they don't have enough space to store the complete yeah. Gundam. Just launch the stupid thing in one piece. <laughs> that would make sense. It, ma- it, it made no sense. Yeah. Don't, do it. don't you don't you enjoy the G-Bull approach? <laughs> no. Oh, God. That's another stupid gimmick while we're talking about it. it's like, oh, let's let's launch in this oh. stupid tank plane abortion thing and then uh, have to switch to the Gundam anyway because these stupid pieces of junk can't get the job done. Oh, or yeah. the or the or the midair docking with the gun parry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, thank God for those movies. Woo. Yeah, so Thank you for those questions. Moving on, we have uh, Zero the Mass Knight who says, Hi, I'm a mid-time listener and long-time follower of your site. I've been following it since 2004 when Gundam Seed was airing on TV and I was curious for details on all of the mecha in that show. As my interest in Gundam grew to UC and later Double O, as I discovered Code Geass, I spent a fair amount of time going over either the mecha profiles or Chris's reviews. Then I discovered both of your podcasts in about early 2012 and have followed them ever since. So he disclaims that he's got some long questions, one of which is we're going to skip because it's a couple of extremely long things about Capcom. So I'm going to institute a rule here, and that is we want to have things that are close to being on topic. So when it comes to Capcom specifically, even though we enjoy laughing about it and giving Solbro shit about it, the only Capcom questions we really want to take on Gundam are Mega Man because that's robots. Anything else? Or those versus games. Or those versus games. Some of those uh, kind of versus. Even if it's not 
a fighting game question, yeah, give it to uh, Fighters Ready. Fighters Ready, Fighters Ready. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless, unless Capcom's making a, a mecha-related game, yes, and it has something to do with mecha. like Lost Planet, like Lost Planet, then then that that's permissible because and and don't just direct it to me. Direct yes. to all of us. I mean, if anything, that would be the fair thing to do. It, that, that's not to dissuade people from directly asking us questions specifically, but it's happened so much on the show that um, if you guys really have, want, want me to get in-depth about that, either ask me on Twitter or ask me on Fighters Ready. And if you want to submit those questions, just go to FightersReady.com. Well, the, the, this is the perfect excuse of sometimes you have to use the carrot and sometimes you have to use the stick. So right now we're using the stick. Those questions over there, carrot. Oh, good, good, good question. There you go. Thank All you. Right. I appreciate the questions being asked, but uh, yeah, just, just send them that way. We could use them. All right. So the question we are covering says, for Chris, I'm curious if your recent interviews with voice actors both here in Gundam and Chaos Theater have changed the views you've expressed in past shows. For example, has your interview with Crispin Freeman in Chaos Theater changed the way you view innocence? And has your recent interview with Stephanie Shea changed the position you've expressed in Gundam Episode 92 and Chaos Theater Episode 24? I vividly recall that while you didn't excuse privacy, you understood that piracy was an understandable response to bad business decisions and that ultimately the responsibility fell on the distributors, Eastern and Western, who don't make their product more accessible. Not cheaper, but more accessible via streaming or release times or by not giving the fans what they want i.e. no Japanese language. Neo and Sobro, your answers would be cool, too. Thanks for including us. Uh, So the first part, I would say not really. I mean, we talked to um, Crispin Freeman in detail about Ghost in the Shell, and then we talked later on here with Richard Epcar about it, specifically Innocence, and, you know, the things they brought up about the adaptation of that movie into English and talking about it as um, basically being um, Bato's Hamlet was interesting insight into the process of how that was handled, but it doesn't really change my opinion that uh, it's a plotting, boring, self-indulgent movie with a paper-thin plot. So, no, my opinion on Innocence has not changed. (laughs) But it was good to know this behind-the-scenes information about the work that these guys put into adapting it and and approaching such challenging material that's so dense in dialogue. So even with the adaptation, you can't wash off the Oshi? No. Well, I mean, that, that's a perfect... Not that Oshi's a bad thing. It's no, just no, he, no, not at all. He, his script in that movie was just really, really self-indulgent. Yeah, very and I say this as a big fan of Oshi's work, mm-hmm. that's not good. Well, I mean, that, that brings up the great point is like no matter how good like an actor or actress may be at their craft, in the end, they're, if they're in a project, that project's only going to be as good as the project's written and how it flows. I mean, you can have... They, they can only work so much with what they've got. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, they might be nice guys that you talk to, but I'm sure even they would... You know, you get them behind closed doors, it might be, you know, it didn't expect to be what they wanted to be. So I I agree with you on that. It doesn't. I mean, um, I heard both things and yeah, innocence is still it's innocence. So, yeah. And in regards to uh, Stephanie Shane piracy, I would say, no, my views haven't changed. It's a thing that exists. It's always going to exist. There definitely needs to be better attitudes from fans because there are people who, you know, don't give a crap anyway and would just uh, torn stuff for any reason. There's people who live in other countries and can't get the stuff. You know, there's stuff that's out of print. All these issues. There definitely needs to be also a better response from 
distributors, which some are taking an effort to do. But obviously, Stephanie Shea has very, very strong views on the subject. And you can't really blame her because it's her livelihood that's being threatened. I'm sure if, you know, it was a thing that people were torrenting newspaper articles, I would feel just as strong about piracy as she does. But my livelihood is not threatened by piracy. So obviously, I'm not going to feel about it the same way she does. Your career has been vastly transformed by the Internet. Over yeah. The last, for the last decade, or, or actually two decades, so I mean, you had you've had to adapt to that. I mean, I, I I feel strong about strongly about piracy personally, but at the same time, there's certain things that I do that's considered piracy. Um, I recently learned that every episode I post of this show on YouTube pretty much gets blocked worldwide because uh, I use uh, audio samples of music from from certain shows, even though we're actually covering our shows. Our shows cover anime in a news-type format, so I, I would figure it would be permissible. Well, it's, it's not, and uh, yeah. YouTube, they're, they're dicks about that. Yeah. You, you can hear on uh, This Week in Tech, Leo Laporte talking about it all the time because it happens oh, yeah. to him, too, on, even on his shows. And, Absolutely. you know, he's a freaking podcast king, and his stuff gets taken down anytime they use news clips or whatever, even though it's in news discussion and analysis, which is protected fair use. Yeah. So, Which you can dispute, and I, I'm actually in the process of disputing some of these on, on some of the episodes of Gundam because we actually are falling in the in the realm of fair use i don't usually you know i'm not purposely like taking an entire episode of a show and posting it in yeah the, the, the but these are also these are also bots that are doing a lot of this searching so so and, and, and it's, it's automatic so like yeah it's auto- upload something it, it flags it right away so if i dispute it it takes the flag away although youtube does have to review over that and, and that's one of my biggest things is that when it comes to the internet a lot of corporations and, and private entities are quick to jump on some, and, and view something as piracy when when you're actually trying to put your own spin on it. And I I I, I I'm kind of a big supporter of the Creative Commons movement um, for for reinterpreting things and remixing things and being able to you know represent something not completely as it was beforehand, but you know to put your own spin on it or whatnot. I I I, I like that, and I think that companies a need to make their material more accessible on the internet so that way people are not encouraged to pirate and b they need to understand that people take stuff all the time and and reinterpret it and and put it back out there well let's not kid ourselves big big content they have way too much power they have lobbyists and the law written in their favor just look at the battles over pippa and sopa and their goal is to retain as much control it's not about piracy it's about control they want to have as much control over everything and they want you the user to have as little control just look at the moves to basically eliminate ownership of stuff how xbox was trying to do and basically just make you a licensee our race recently in nintendo themselves have been on, on people's asses like uh, if you were doing anything on a nintendo based game and posting it on youtube you would uh not be able to monetize that like say for instance you did a tutorial on smash brothers or a nintendo based game and put up footage on 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 youtube about how to go through a certain stage in a game or something like that nintendo would not allow you to profit off of the uh of the work you did to provide inf- informative material yeah. about their game on YouTube. Or if you were covering the news on a Nintendo-based game and you showed Nintendo footage, um, you couldn't monetize that either because uh, Nintendo gets first rights to anything that um, contains uh, footage of their stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts, <laughs> to say the least. Well, anyway. a, lot, a lot of it comes just down to the simple fact of the laws are not um, been updated to what we're in. The other thing is I think all sides are complicit 
and these issues because for every person that tries to do a simple news thing like you, Solbro, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that there's another person that's out there just to try to make money or do something blatantly stealing it. So, I mean, there's this, this is an issue that is one of these situations where there's no simple fix. And I think that the corporations and the, the the public they need to get down to and and the and the governments as a whole too they need to figure out what's what because you know i you know i'm not going to sit here and say i've never pirated anything but i also can understand with somebody like stephanie shea who makes her living on her talent that is done in something and you know the basis of her getting more work is if it's been successful and if something was not really successful sales wise, but yet is got a million downloads or something like that. I can understand her issue with that. So I think I think everybody needs to kind of look at this on all sides. Unfortunately, most people are set up where they can't just disconnect their immediate needs and look at it on all sides. And I think that that's the way that we need to look at it. And everybody's complicit in this because this has been something that's been going on for at least the late to, you know, late nineties to early two thousands. And everybody's been holding back on it. So, I mean, that's, I mean, you could do a, you could do a whole discussion on this, but I think the point is we just got to get to everybody's wrong on this one and we just got to get to a medium. That's my, that's my cool answer. Moving on, we have some questions from Sakura Angel who says, Hi guys, El Bastardo Mexicano is here with some random questions. Oh, is he now? Number one, <laughs> Joss Whedon or J.J. Abrams? Whedon. Now, I don't understand if the question is, who do you like more? Who do you want it to go away forever? <laughs> if it's the former, Joss Whedon. If it's the latter, J.J. Abrams. Yeah, yeah same here. <laughs> Number two, is anybody really checking Neon Alley? I have no idea, but honestly, I think Neon Alley is one of just the dumbest ideas ever. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it, it does need some work, man. Um, if- I mean, who the hell sets up an app on the PS3 and wherever else it's on? Mm-hmm. It's not streaming, but it's a linear channel with regular broadcast times like some cable channel. Yeah. That just seems so backwards and it's counterproductive. 20th century. You know, and moronic. Exactly. It's, it, it doesn't make much sense in this day and age to make it so that it's, it's a linear channel when, you know, you could do what, what Crunchyroll and other, other streaming services do. And yeah. these shows is available to be watched on demand. I mean, seriously, who, who watches, who tunes in at a certain time to watch something anymore? Because honestly, everything I do these days is either DVR or streaming. There's only some shows that I will watch live because I need to see them instantly, like, say, Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Everything else is at a time of my choosing, and that's the way it's become. I watch things when I want to watch things, not when you tell me to watch things. So the entire idea of Neon Alley just seems completely stupid to me. They, they still have time to go back and reinvent it if they, if, if they, if they choose to. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a model that works in this day and age at all. Yeah. What about you, Neo? Any thoughts on Neon Alley? I, I just think um, I think it goes back to the other question um, previously. is just that um, when it comes to advertising, especially on streaming or something like that, it's still more lucrative to have the old model. And I think that's probably why they do it that way. I mean, that's usually how these things work. So in the end, it all comes down to well, money. Well, one thing is a cable channel on actual TV. Another thing is a, a traditional channel as yeah. an app 
on a game console, who who actually is tuning in in large? I want to know, like, who actually uh, tunes in in large numbers to watch, you know, programming on an app? Well, that's maybe that's the way they sell it. I don't know. I mean, there's there's so many things we don't know about the particulars that it's it's hard to speculate. But yeah, like you said, I mean, in the end, it's just not uh, accomplishing the needs of today's consumer. So. If it if you're not a pro if nobody's watching, eventually it's going to go away. So there you go. If any of our listeners actually are subscribed to Neon Alley, um, feel free to comment in this thread about your experience with it or what your thoughts are on it. We're kind of curious. Yeah, I, I do want to know because I've I've never watched Neon Alley because the concept just seems too stupid to even waste my time on. So I don't have the, I don't have the time to do it. So and his last question: having a conversation with Yuri Lowenthal at Comic Con comes to mind this question if you have in a cave four characters voiced by yuri who will die first and who will survive until the end the people in the cave are simone from gurren lagan ben 10 yosuke from persona 4 and barnaby from tiger and bunny well to me this seems pretty simple if you got four dudes in a cave simone we know becomes a yeah. space hobo oh, yeah. and he used to live under in a cave, cave. Yeah. so if anyone has the survival experience and would beat up everyone and kill them and live yeah. it's gonna be simone indeed, indeed yeah i agree i will say this yosuke would be the first to die <laughs> I, I, I'm familiar with Persona 4 only because of the uh, arena game and Yosuke. No surprise. He, he don't got the nuts to, to, to make it. Um, I'm not familiar with uh, Ben 10 or Barnaby, though. Not familiar with Ben 10? What are you, communist? I, I know I've seen the commercials for his show, but I've never watched it. But uh, I know Chris has seen Tiger, Tiger and Bunny. What do you think his chances are? Chances are pretty good. I mean, he's got yeah. superpowers and he's got a power armor suit. So, yeah, he could He could do he that. Could yeah. I'm down with that. So, next we have a question from Bloody Knight, which we're not going to do because I already called this out before on Chaos Theater. So I'm going to call it again here for the benefit of Gundam listeners. Okay. Do not give us cut and paste questions. Wow. I do not like that. That's very annoying. If you're going to ask a question for Gundam, ask a damn question for Gundam. If you're asking them for Chaos Theater, make it specific for that. Uh, okay. Do not take a question, copy it, paste it, and change the name of the podcast. We don't do that. It really annoys me. So don't ever do it. Well, all right. I now know. Yes. <laughs> Next, we have Black Belt Sam who says, Greetings, this is Sam, a.k.a. that jerk that happens to know Dalo. Quick question, what is your favorite mecha from a non-mecha series? Mine would have to be the Magitek armor that appears in Final Fantasy VI. Also, the Egg Dragoon from Sonic Unleashed is kind of cool, too. Wow, Sonic Unleashed. <laughs> well, actually, shout-outs shout out to both Dalo and Sam, which I, I had the chance to hang out with when I went to San Diego a couple weeks ago. It was really cool hanging out with you guys, and uh, I got to meet Sam in person. Yeah, but isn't isn't a mecha? Doesn't just the point of to an extent having a mecha? Is it going to be a mecha series in a way? I mean, no. There's there's series that do not have that are not mecha as we think of them, but may have a mecha in them. For example, my answer, which might be stealing Solbros, yeah. the uh, French knight mecha from Gankutsuo. Yes. Uh, it's not at all a mecha series, but you know a mecha plays a role for one or two episodes. So you know you have things like that and the Magitek armor because mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VI not at all a mecha game, oh, but yeah, it I happens to have those Magitek armors. Yeah, that 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 crazy uh, that crazy mecha and robot carnival. There you go. <laughs> So there you go. For me, <laughs> for me, it's not a series, but I'll, I'll throw this in there because that was the first time I, I saw something like this uh, in a in a movie. Um, Ed two hundred nine from RoboCop, man. 
Ed 209. And the revamp for him in the new movie. It's in the mecha series, though. It's, I know. I, that's why I, I prefaced it with the fact that it's not a series. It's more of a movie. But I Yeah, just, but isn't it a mecha movie, though? Uh, or cyborg? Uh, or are you going to cyborg? It, it's, it's more cyberpunk, I would say, uh, because of the, the kind of the slant that it has. Yeah, it's, uh, it's more like real history right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you joke, but uh, no, that's, 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 it's starting to get that way. But um, yeah, I was I've been looking up a lot of stuff about the uh, remake that's coming out. Uh, I think next year, okay. and um, Ed Two Nine looks really sleek and and even more dangerous. Than Can't me. wait! So excited! Hey Can't man, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because the people involved are, are very good, and um, especially the director. Man, I'm I'm hoping it turns out well, although it has the chance to turn out like ass. So, but Ed Two O Nine, I would definitely throw that to the into the ring. All right, yeah. we have some more questions next from Yokozuna Bulldozer, who says, "Hello, which seems scarier, Skynet controlled Doraemon or Dark Energon fueled Horrors? Both. Ooh, Dark Energon fueled Horrors because they probably turn into. Uh, those buzzall balls, what are they called? The the bugs? The bugs. Yeah, oh. it's just like in the Turn A Gundam comic? <laughs> yeah. That's probably what they end up being. I think I, I think I know what Neo's answer is. It's both. Oh wow. <laughs> Anything robotics gotta go down, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Anything controlled by a freaking AI or that's a robot? No. It's gotta go down. Pilot, it has got to go. Even then, <laughs> because you got the robo collaborators. Robo lovers, what we so, call I, them. I, I think I'm going to go with the Haros because there's just more of them. So, And they're cute. That's the problem. They, they're, they're cuteness. Be like, oh, he's such a cute little, little little rolling ball robot. Oh, he just ate my face. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> nice. Number two, Neo. Mm. Name and describe to us the super combining robot of your dreams, something along the lines of Gal Gygar or Dan Cougar, with you as your main pilot and your brothers in arms composed of Lord Bay, the Admiral, and King Larry. Oh. Please bellow out combining sequence catchphrase. Good Lord. Oh, my God. So it'd be, oh, yeah, it would be like Gal Gygar. Okay, I would be in, we'd have to bring it out of retirement because it's an old plane, but it's still freaking badass. I'd be in the SR-71. Okay. So, and then Lord King would be in, oh, God, what would he be in? What's what's a freaking, oh, my gosh. What a Mustang because it's old like him. Yeah. A Mustang old, fighter. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Old Mustang fighter. Uh, the Admiral, of course, would be in the freaking Galactica. That'd be the main part of the body. And uh, Lord <laughs> Lord Bay would be in a, it would be like an Italian supercar that, um, that transforms and flies in the air. And our catchphrase, our combining sequence would be, go, go, killer robot that kills other robots. Long live the humans. Kill, die all robots. That's a little long-winded. <laughs> Doesn't matter. And as the bonus, how dare how dare you crap on my my show and my combining <laughs> sequence? Like, you? wouldn't something like say "Go Go Explosions" be better? We could do. Oh yeah, we could do that. Terrible, terrible. We As could. We could. Well, that that would be what I said originally. That's for the first episode of the series, and then we'll go to "Go Go Explosions." The subsequent See, when we when we cut down the combining. Talking about your yes. your combining catchphrase of like you know. The robots coming together, so you don't want some whole speech there. You want something quick and snappy, like go go explosions. Go go explosions. Um, mustache explosions go. We could. Oh, wow. Sus- suspenders. Mustache explosions go. <laughs> there you go. And as a bonus, man, they could all take off from the helicarrier, hel- the helicarrier that's captained by old man from Pawn Stars. <laughs> 
Well, no, it'd be a secret base in Nevada. Oh, it would be. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. Bye, bye, America. Uh, no, America Fifty One. <laughs> area Area Fifty One. America. Right. Flip. <laughs> awesome. All right. Number three, Solbro. Uh-oh. With recent Capcom fighting titles getting the HD treatment, do you think Tech Romancer has a shot at an HD makeover? Now, before you answer this, <laughs> as, as the journalist, I have to jump in and take some issue with the wording of this. All right, go ahead. Because um, just because an old game is being ported to a new console and there's some pixel smoothing and like a little like fancy background, oh, that does not make it an HD makeover. No, it doesn't. <laughs> the only Capcom fighting game that has gotten an HD makeover full-on has been Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix. Yeah, pretty much. Everything else has just been, you know, Sprite pixel smoothing. smoothing. Sprite oh, yeah. smoothing. Uh, yeah, so not at all the same thing. So <laughs> with that in mind, please answer the question. Uh, so answer far. it in short? No, I don't think so. Tech Romancer was not a, uh, a barn burner when it came out. Um, it's a fun game. I, I, if you can find it, play it, because... Uh, it's it's made in part by um, Sh- uh, Shoji Kawamori, um, and if you like his work, you really love the uh, the um, the parodies of different mecha series that he puts into that game. I think it's really yeah. cool. I mean, not only that, it's it's too it's way too obscure, mm-hmm. and things that are not so obscure like Darkstalkers, the recent port of that failed miserably, according yes. to Capcom. So they're not going to be doing any ports in the near future. So they're certainly not. If something like Darkstalkers, which is much more well known than Tech Romancer, mm-hmm. failed, then there's no way that something like Tech Romancer is going to get ported or uh, the General's longtime favorite uh, rival schools. Oh man, the General must have been. I, I, I meant to ask you, uh, and I hate to, to delve into this uh, this Capcom topic, but um, the news about Breath of Fire Six did it? Did it tear you up? <laughs> Because I know you're a fan of that series, the RPG series of Breath of Fire. I believe you, you're yes. a fan, and, and possibly uh, the general is too. And the fact that they're making it like some, uh, I guess some the some crap browser. social mobile game. Screw that. Yeah, I, I, I uh, was a little. You mad know what? That too. I don't even care that they're making uh, some crap mobile social garbage in-app purchase. Most likely, yeah, piece of junk. You dare to put the number six in it? Yeah, it's like they like it's just, a real game. It's not. It's Don't not. give me that crap. They could have <laughs> just made like some offshoot series and called it that. But the fact that they're making it the actual sixth chapter of Breath of Fire, it's like, dude, why, why not just? It's like, not, how dare you? Why not make a 3DS game? It would sell like gangbusters. I was like, I don't, I don't understand the reasoning, but I guess they want to break into the browser game slash uh, mobile gaming market. They, they, no, they want to break into the nickel and dime you like EA does. Yeah, yeah, ain't that the truth? His last question is aimed at me, and he says, Chris, as you know, your beloved sacred beast, Grumpy Cat, it's getting its own movie. Here's the question. How far will you go to show your enthusiasm for Grumpy Cat? Will you stop at just getting a few Grumpy Cat-related goods or just go all out and start a Grumpy Cat convention, a.k.a. Grumpy Con? Well, I think to be properly um, appreciative of Grumpy Cat and all her grumpiness, the only way to approach things would be to be completely apathetic and non-interested. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Because it's bound to turn out like the Fred movies. <laughs> I'm hoping it turns out better than that, but uh, internet sensation Fred, uh, yeah, he put out two pieces of shit movies that my, my little niece can't stop watching. And um, if, if that's any indicator of a YouTube, uh, or sorry, an internet uh, meme or, or, or an internet uh, personality becoming a, a movie star, then uh, we don't got much to look forward to when it comes to the Grumpy Cat film. <laughs> Yeah. 
Not much at all. So we have next a question from Pug Life, who says, Hey all, first time poster, long time listener. I highly enjoy listening to you guys. Keep up the good work. I know this is a question about video games, but one that contains Mecha. Oh my Did God. anyone see the trailer and gameplay footage of Titanfall revealed at E3 last week? This question was posed in June for the record. I can't wait for its release. The combination of Call of Duty-like gameplay and Titan Ordnance Drops gets me excited about the next console generation. Will it be enough for any of you to purchase a PS4 or X-Bone sooner rather than later? <laughs> now, as far as I understand, this game right now is PC and X-Bone. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh I guess developed by was it um it's um Spawn yeah Respawn Entertainment which is uh, everyone who jumped shit from Infinity War after all of that nasty business with Activision yeah that's right I wonder if they'll go back since now that Activision Blizzard's been sold off I don't think so I mean yeah, this was a, a big lawsuit with uh, well there's a, there's always that point of here comes a cash truck I'm driving the cash truck. <laughs> well, the answer, I, I know this much. I'll answer that second question. I, I never adopt systems when they first come out because they are loaded with problems. But, um, you know, when the time comes, I'll, I'll get the system that gives me the best deal. Um, as for Titanfall, I'm definitely getting that on the PC, son. <laughs> I got a great PC that could run that game, and I'll pick that up on that one. It's also um, it's multiplayer only. So there is uh, there's a story mode, but you have to play it in multiplayer. So, um yeah, that's going to be a unique experience, especially if you enjoy playing games by yourself. Then um, you may not take too kindly to that. But the game looks neat. I love the fact that you can either choose to go with just a soldier who does parkour stunts and, and uh, has a lot of advantages and a lot of mobility, or you can choose to use your own mecha and, and decide and, and decide to uh, wreck the battlefield with that. So it's it, if it plays like the Call of Duty games, it's going to be interesting. I am interested in it, so I will pick it up on PC since I will definitely not be buying the X-Bone. <laughs> there you go. We next have K173 who says, Hello, Gundam Trio. I'm watching the new Appleseed 13 series right now and putting aside thoughts on the show itself, I'm most struck by their evolution of cel-shaded animation where it's stylized to the point of looking like moving rendered manga style art rather than the flatter style cel-shading of the past. What do you guys think about the current evolution of cel-shaded, heavily CG-enhanced animation styles making their way into new shows, and does it simply make you nostalgic for the times when cheap Korean animation labor drew the cells the old-fashioned way? <laughs> We're looking at you, Dong Yang. <laughs> you know, I, I'd have to say, it, I think it would depend on what type of show it is. You know, it's like um you know something maybe heavily actionized you know like a mecha show or something like that where you want a little bit more detail and, and you want some of that stuff i i like that but then again i i don't want it like um like some of those ogonzo shows where it was like oh this is truly the computer animation and it just looks you know a little hokey but you know i, I don't know i don't I'm not one of these people where it's like, oh, my God, I hate cell shading. Everything's got to be hand-drawn like it was. But I, I think it just depends on the show and the mood and the tone of it. And I, I think that's, that's where I'm at with it. As long as it seems like it works within the scope of the show, I'm good with that. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, stuff with CG, I mean, just in general, um, you know, every year it's getting better and better. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it. You know, as long as it 
as long as it doesn't look stupid and it doesn't look dated, because that's the other thing is like after something ages for a couple of years, you just don't want to go back to it and be like, oh, my God, this looks awful. So, I mean, I know I'm being like kind of soul bro Switzerland on this, but wow. it, I think it, I, I think it's just it just depends on what it is in the scope of the show. I think that's the biggest thing with me. And um, but I, I do sometimes like uh, cheap Korean animation because I mean in an ad, in a way after watching Pacific Rim I was like as great as this show looks or as this movie looks I kind of wouldn't mind seeing a version of it all in rubber suits with men in rubber suits. There you go. I really wouldn't. <laughs> and some Ray Harryhausen animation. Yeah. <laughs> Stop motion. <laughs> Let's take it old school. Give it to me all. <laughs> I mean, I, I it, over the last decade... This From the ashes of Vietnam War too. <laughs> over the last decade, this approach has been creeping its way in animation for quite some time. Like, you watch uh, Gundam Seed, when you see the ships um, and how they're CG animated. Or um, recently, when we watched Gargantia and the mecha in that show is uh, all CG, um, cel-shaded uh, type of, uh, yeah, that uh, looks of so mecha cool. there. <laughs> that, that show looks so good. Yeah, it looks I can't, I can't and, crap and, on and, it. That's and, the and, thing. And it worked and, for that show. And that's the advent the advance of it is that it's it's starting to look almost like it fits um even back going back to ghost in the shell standalone complex the cars and a lot of the vehicles are all cg uh cg designed and, and cg animated just keep so. just keep hand drawing the major's boobs right <laughs> exactly but yeah i mean it, it 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 looks good in that show you could still tell that they're cg cell shaded but they, they look great. I, I'll, I'll cite an example that's not a show, but blew my mind when I saw it. Not a show, but blew his mind. It blew my mind when I saw it. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, look at the trailer for the latest Guilty Gear x Erd trailer. And I, when I first saw the trailer began, mind blown. You, you see the characters, and they're they're in, they're 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 on the two D plane. But then <gasps> when they start to fight, the camera goes three sixty, and you finally realize they're in four D. These cell shaded characters are in three D, and then I've watched a couple um, videos of the location test that's going on in Japan right now. When the characters do super moves and stuff like that, they take advantage of like the, the cel-shaded animation, and it's a nice blend of 2D hand-drawn animated sprites going into these 3D situations, which I, I, my, I'm mind-blown. I honestly I give it up to Arc System Works for doing such a great job on that. And if they can do that in animation for like you know animated series, then I think that's, that's going to be the future of animation coming up. And... Um, I look forward to seeing more of that. It's the future of animation. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but I'm wondering, is it cheaper, though? Because they always talk. It, they always talk. It, does it really have to be cheaper? Do, no. do you know this? Because well, to, me, to me, it is cheaper because you don't have to redraw sprites. Or you don't have to redraw cells. You just have these models that you animate. And, you know, the animation can come from actual people moving or doing, doing motion capture. And to me, it's, it's a lot less time-consuming. For them to do it, uh, but to but I mean, is that in all reality though? Not not in your warped reality, but no, is I, that been, is I, that actually the way it works? Because I just sometimes wonder. I know from what I understand with computer animation and stuff like mm -hmm. that, it's still pretty labor intensive. I mean, so I don't know if it's gonna things and rendering animation. I'm sure that it, it's yeah. not cheap either, but I think it's cheaper and more cost effective to do it with 3D models than it is to do to hand draw on every frame. I think that uh is more time consuming and costs more money, honestly. And and it's time I don't resources. know. Chris, do you know anything about that? Cuz that's always been my issue with it is I always thought, you know, if there's a way to get the shows out quicker or to keep the consistency, that's the thing, but 
from what I understand when it comes to computer animation, it's not always that much quicker than hand drawing stuff. Or are we I mean, at a, I, that it's more I, efficient now? I, I don't know. know offhand, but I would just think that even though it is um, labor intensive, if you have models in a computer that you can yeah. manipulate, it's not the same as hand drawing something and then scanning that in and working within that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how any of that stuff works. So, I mean, I, I would, and if there's anybody that's like seriously in this stuff, I I'd like to kind of know because it's a little interesting because you would think that technology would make it easier and all that, but I don't know. I mean, it takes a. I mean, I don't know. It's cool though. In Soulbro's world, it's cheaper and quicker. But no, man, I've been. I've had it world, explained to me that it is cheaper, um, only because you. Hand drawing takes a lot longer, and it is uh, um, it's, it's just harder to go back and, and, and re-edit things when I have a mistake in that way, as opposed to doing it with a computer where it's a lot more um, easier to handle and, and manage. So you know, it, it, so it's so, it, so it's it it's it's um, well, I don't know. I've heard different on that, especially when it comes to re- rewriting code. But I don't I don't know. I'm not um, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a software person, so I don't know. I'm not a learned man on the subject either. I just I I, I know. What I've read and I, I know what I've uh, in the conversations I've had I know I've, I've had um, where people believe that it is cheaper so and at least in the long run it will be mm-hmm. all right and with that we will wrap up the mailbag so please be sure to drop those questions on the thread and the voicemails on Google Voice so back to you Sobro well thank you Chris and um, that um, brings our episode to the end uh, before we uh, wrap things up. Uh, any last things you guys wanted to say uh, to take us home? No. Nothing, huh? All right. You guys are just jumping at the bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted uh, to give a couple shout outs. Um, uh, one major shout out to uh, to my man uh, Mitsugi from the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Um, recently, uh, just like Neo got his uh, his rush stamps in the mail, I uh, was sent a uh, unopened Super Famicom game of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Famicom? Super Famicom, yes. Um, a Super Famicom game that was unopened. He sent one to me. He found it at a at a store. Um, it is Gundam 0079 Cross Dimension. He sent me a, a sealed copy of that game. And uh, many thanks to him for doing that. It's now sitting on my shelf of all my Gundam knickknacks and uh, and Paddywax and Paddywax. Indeed, indeed. So Mitsu- did you even check to see how much that is on eBay right now? I never checked. Uh, if anything, I'm, I'm should. Let, let's see. Let's see this. This is a Super Famicom game, uh, Gun- Gundam 0079 Cross Dimension. Okay, yeah. Let's see what this is, cause yeah, cause isn't that the game with the the Gundam Pixie? I'm not sure. I have no idea. I've never even heard of it until he sent it to me. So um, I, perhaps I someone can check on MHQ.net where there's a mecha section for that. But I'm pretty sure that's the Gundam Pixie. <laughs> I also wanted to add that people were giving uh, Mitsugi a hard time about his review for Pacific Rim. Shout outs for him to actually going to the movies and seeing it. He didn't really enjoy the movie, but uh, I noticed that there was a little bit of. Shout outs uh, for him to go to a movie. Hey, man, he, he actually went to go see it and uh, he reviewed it. And, um, oh, and wow, this game is not worth anything online. Hey, there you go. Not worth anything on. Um, yeah, the most is 49 bucks. Yeah, just keep it. Hey, there you go. I, mean, I didn't plan on selling it anyway. It was a- I would. No. <laughs> It was a gift that I I, I enjoy, and, and many thanks to Mitsugi. Always think of ways of turning man. things into cash. Hey, man, I don't sell people's gifts to me. But um, 
I, I, for those who were giving him a hard time on the MAHQ face group, it's his opinion on his uh, his opinion on the movie, and uh, don't give him a hard time if he just dis- if he disliked it. His co-host on the show enjoyed it, so um, you know people are entitled to their own opinion. Uh, even my co-host on Fighters Ready, Nick the Stampede, didn't care much for Pacific Rim either. So that's a whole other conversation. But uh, many thanks to Mitsuki for sending that game to me, and uh, and uh, I guess that will lead us into uh, checking out these websites. When you have time, definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecca and Anime Headquarters. Also, make sure you visit Gundam.net, the official website for the Gundam at MAHQ podcast, and where you can download and find information on this episode and our entire back catalog. Join in on the conversation at MechaTalk.net. Net, where you can also find official forums for Gundam, where you can submit questions, topics, and reply to anything that we said in this episode. All other links for Gundam at MAHQ can be found at about.me slash Gundam. There you will find links to us on iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and our other media facets. After listening to Gundam, the next podcast you should be listening to is Chaos Theater, MAHQ's other podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom, hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ himself, Chris Guanche, and everybody's favorite pedal bear of the South, Pedro Cortez. Listen to them at chaostheater.blogspot.com. Shinjuku Station also has a podcast that focuses on fighting games called Fighters Ready, hosted by Gundam's own Solro Ryu and his co-host Nick the Stampede. Fight your way on over to fightersready.net where you can download episodes and join in on the conversation. And that's it for episode 129 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Thousands of years, we have endured countless battles. This may mark the end of the Age of Primes. Do I yet live? Only to serve me. I know now what I require. My legion! how it ends Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint I'm on the Starship Enterprise macking on Yeoman Ran while the Andorian with the Disruptors back on Talos 4 or whatever. What do you think all those sparkles and shit are? Transporters are breaking you apart and down to your molecules and bones. They're making a copy. That dude who comes out on the other side, he's not you. He's the color Xerox. So you're telling me every time Kirk went into the transport, he was killing himself? Hmm? So over the whole series, there's like 147 Kirks. At least. Dude, yo, why do you think McCoy never likes to beam nowhere? Because he's a doctor, bitch. Look it up, it's science. (laughs) I ever tell you about my Star Trek script? Star Trek script? Yeah, I gotta write it down is all. The Enterprise is five parsecs out of Rigel 12. 
nothing's going on. Neutral zone is quiet. The crew is bored. So they put on a pie eating contest. The whole crew's in the galley. They're eating tullaberry pies. Tullaberry. Tullaberries. From Gamma Quadrant, yeah. That's Voyager, dude. Okay, blueberries then. They're eating blueberry pies Better. as fast as the replicator can churn them out. Finally, it's down to just three. Kirk, Spock, and Chekhov. Okay, Spock always wins these things. How is Spock gonna beat Kirk, yo? Spock's like a toothbrush. Look at Kirk, he's got room to spare. Spock has total Vulcan control over his digestion. You wanna hear this or not? Yeah, yeah, go. Okay, finally, Kirk, he can't take it anymore. He yorks. Now it's just down to Chekhov and Spock. But Chekhov, you see, He's got a whole fat stack of quatloos riding on this. And he has figured out a way to win. He's got Scotty back in the transporter room, locked in on Chekhov's stomach. Every time Chekhov eats a pie, Scotty beams it right out of him. Where is he sending him? The toilet? Space! Oh. There's blueberries just floating out there, frozen because it's in space. And Chekhov is just shoveling them into his mouth. And, and Spock's like, I can't believe this Russian is defeating me. Meanwhile, Scotty's in the transporter room fiddling with levers when Lieutenant O'Hara comes in and she's got, you know, her big pointies and Scotty's fingers are all sweaty. No. Chekhov screams. He sprays blood out of his mouth. Oh. Scotty beamed his guts into space. No way. <laughs> Hey man, where are you going? You're you're missing the best part. 